Okay, Shem Hashem I hope, for whatever reason, you guys just want to hear me speak. <laughs> I hope we can be have a successful night. I want to do something different tonight. I think I told Rivka, right, about it. I want to make more of like an ability where you guys could jump in and ask a question or speak. Maybe even a conversation. I don't want to speak at you guys. I want to speak to you, to your hearts, because I know we're all trying to figure it out. Obviously, I'm not a rabbi. I'm not nothing close to that. I'm just a 23-year-old kid who was raised in Israel, finds himself in Brooklyn in the Syrian community, and it's life. And you guys are Ashkenaz, whatever, on the side of Flatbush. White folk. Yeah. White, dark, we're all Jews. So obviously, the time of Hanukkah, it's the time of miracles. But before we get into the current time period, um, I want to make it really clear. Like, you could cut me off, you could embarrass me, you could, whatever. Like, let's, let's, let's have a conversation. I think it's very important to like, instead of me coming at you with something that could really be beneficial to me and I'm talking to myself, I think it could be beneficial to really like talk where you guys feel you want to grow and where you want to get better at. So before we talk about Hanukkah, let's just start with a little Judaism 101 introduction. There's basics to Judaism and a very popular Musa Sefer written by the Ramchal. It's called the Mesat Yisharim. And the Misat Yisharim, on the first page, if you open it up, it says, what is the purpose of life, right? Now, I don't know if you guys answered this question for yourselves yet. I think I'm getting to an answer, and it's getting more clear as time goes on. Obviously, the Arizal, he says, the purpose of life can be defined as what you love to do, and also what's hardest for you to, to overcome. Because what you love to do is natural. You love to do that. But obviously, there are things that are very hard for us as people, and especially as Jews, to... We struggle in our faith and we struggle in our confidence in Hashem. When we overcome these things, we can become more clear on who we are. I obviously started doing this, you know, to make the world a better place. And it did not come easy. Um, When I started to make, I'm going to be very real, straight up. When I started to make content, my father, uh, my grandfather just started to get sick. And many other things were like going crazy in my personal life. So it was not easy at all. Sometimes people look at my page and they say, oh, it's like some highlight reel. This guy's life is amazing. It's not true. Behind the scenes, it's very difficult. But anyways, so it just goes to show you that nothing that's worthwhile in life is going to be easy. And obviously, you can stay with a limited mindset, but that's not what Hashem wants for you. Hashem wants you to overcome your limitations. And even though you're in Brooklyn and things can get some you know, seasonal depression, it can get a little bit hard at times. You have to remind ourselves of who we are, what we're here for, and to bezrat Hashem to grow to grow and to be unlimited. Because if we have inside of us a neshama, which is a piece of Hashem, Hashem is unlimited. So we have no excuse being limited. Hashem is unlimited. We have to be unlimited just like Him in our thinking, and our actions, and to not repeat the past. If you made a mistake in the past and you go back to that person and you say, oh, this person that I was yesterday made a mistake, that's idol worship. That's very common avodazara that many people don't know. Avodazara, idol worship, is not just going to a church and bowing down to JC or even being in the church. Idol worship is also saying, I made a mistake yesterday, so let me just keep doing it again. You know? So, so in the Mishra Tisharim, in the beginning, by the way, cut me off at any moment, I would love to take a question. Uh, the Misat Yisharim says in the opening page that what does Hashem make the world for? The purpose of the world is to derive benefit from a divine light. Following, Tzadik? Sorry, Meziv Ashkina, Ashkenaz. Wow. Yeah, so we're basically here to attain Olam Abba. Because obviously the Misat Yisharim says a few lines later that this world is a hallway for the world to come. If I put you... 
if I, if I took you to a room and said, hey, in that room there's a lot of diamonds, go grab as many as you can. You're going to create holes that didn't even exist in your pants to begin with, or obviously in your skirts. And you're going to fill as many diamonds as you can. So we're in this world to collect as many mitzvot as we can. Now, you might be thinking, or you may not be thinking, but I'm going to say anyways, why do I have to make a lot of mitzvot? What's the purpose of that? The purpose of that is to connect to Hashem. Hashem gave us chud b'chiyah. Hashem gave us the merit, the, not the, the ability to make free choice and free will. And that's what we're basically here to do. We're here to look at the world and to choose the good from the bad. And obviously to take the sparks and to take the bad and to uplift it. That's why before you drink, you make a bracha. Before you eat bread, you make natilah. Being, being living as a Jew, you constantly have a purpose. And that's a, whole, that's a whole part of the bigger picture. Obviously for women, it's modesty and, and Lashon Ara. And for men, it's really to learn. Obviously I can't speak for a woman. I don't know the struggle of a woman at all. And there was never a girl before. But I, I could tell you that my mom, when she got married, she was in pants. And till this day, I'm 23. I never saw my mom. I never saw her knees. Maybe like in Florida one time, but you know, but I, I, Baruch Hashem, she made a whole like 180 in her life. And it just goes to show you that you can really do anything. Any questions so far? Or just keep going? I have a question. Yes. What inspired me to start posting on social media? Like, how do you have the courage to do that? Oh, the courage. So much judgment and right. So, very good question. Round of applause. So, Baruch Hashem. It's very intimate crowd. So what inspired me to start posting on social media, I was going through a very difficult thing in my life, which I'm not going to disclose. But obviously life is difficult in general. We're always going through hard things. And for some reason, I also grew up in the Syrian community. And I, I'm, not, I'm not like pointing a finger, but I was made to feel like I have to act a certain way to be like everyone else. And to be unique and to be different is a bad thing. And it was very hard for me growing up. I went to a certain high school where I was like one of the only Moroccan kids in the school. And no one ever speaks up about it to your face. Like, oh, you're Moroccan, you're not like us. But like you feel in the room that you're not like so accepted. And obviously for the Ashkenaz guys, even more so. I'm actually a quarter Ashkenaz, so I can bash. It's all good. <laughs> uh, my mom is half. Yeah, Holocaust, Yichus, all that stuff. So long story short, I grew up accumulating a lot of pain, you could say. Like everyone, you know, life is hard and you go through struggles, you don't know how to always handle them. But I was never a fan of, of being like the rest of the flock and I always was kind of like the outsider. And Not the outsider, but I was always the more challenging one in yeshivas because I would ask questions in a system where you're not supposed to ask questions. You're supposed to do as you're told. And if you ask questions, you're kind of like looked at to be weird. Oh, Sadik, he comes to all the lectures. Good guy. So, in so many words, I saw, I saw certain things in society that I didn't like and I didn't agree with. I didn't think it aligned with... Obviously, I went on the whole journey of teaching myself Torah because the Torah I was learning in school was how to learn a Gemara, Mishnah, Chumash. But they weren't, they weren't teaching me the basics of Judaism. The basics of like looking at a person and not judging him. The basics of treating someone else the way you want to be treated. Or even the basic of just... Knowing why, you want, knowing why you do things and knowing that a, a person that asks questions about Judaism is actually a smart person. It takes a smart person to say, wait, why am I doing this? Before I invest the next 70, 80 years of emotional investment and everything that I do into this religion, let me make sure it's the right one. 
You know, and that's what I did. I had my own my kind of self-discovery. Obviously, I was raised, you know, my dad would bring me to shul and everything, but yeah. I wanted to know why I was doing things. So this led me on my own self-discovery journey, and obviously, I started to gain a lot of confidence in what I was, what I, what I was learning because I saw like, the truth of what I was learning, and then I saw what happens in society. I'll give a lot of credit to the shirim of Rabbi Yosef Mizrahi on the internet. Say what you want to say about him. He's a very good person. I was actually just by him for Shabbat. and was very nice. I know on the internet he's very strong and aggressive, but as a person, he's, uh, he's a dad. He's a cute Abba. So, right, so why did I start doing it? So obviously it's a very risky thing to do. And it's very dangerous. And I would not condone anybody to do what I did. I would not condone anybody to be on social media to begin with. I took a big risk when I started my account. Um, it hurt me in many ways. Um, many girls in Shiduchim said no. Uh, many people said, who do you think you are? Do you, you know, trying to go and do this? You're not a rabbi, you don't have this, that. And my personal rabbis, they allowed me to do it. They gave me the heter. I'm a Mizrahi, Rabbi Vakhtin from Queens, and many rabbis along the way, even rabbis in the Syrian community, they, they saw what I was doing and they recognized that this is a, a very different person. He's very talented and he knows he's good at what he's doing. The results show, you know, my account has reached millions of people per month. Like, obviously, there's a certain amount of followers, but my actual insights, the numbers are crazy. And I don't just see those numbers and say, wow, look, I'm growing a business. I look at those numbers and I say, wow, if I'm posting inspirational Jewish content, then I hope that majority of those people actually watch it and enjoy the content. You know, if you go to the biggest creators in the world and you look at their pages, I'm having just as many reshares per video as they are. Three, four, a thousand reshares. That's unheard of. So obviously it shows that there's beauty in it. It shows that Jewish people are, are getting inspired and they want to share it to their friends. Hey, look at this video. You might get inspired too. So why I decided to start making content specifically is because I believed that I had something that I had to share with the world and I kind of took a risk in doing so, which I explained to you. But Ravi Gal Cohen, he said something very special. He didn't say it to me directly, but he said it to a friend of mine. Um, he said that when you're, when you're going to start to... I, I speak with him every Friday, Ravi Gal in Israel. You guys know him? Yeah, so, so he, he said that when you start to grow in life, and not just in, in the Kiruv industry, which is what I'm doing, it's in general, you know, when you're doing a business, when you're doing something unique, the more that you grow and the more that you accumulate success, people are always going to try to stop you and tell you, don't do this, don't do that. That's why you have to be very careful who you tell your dreams to. And what, what's the number one way, place we learned this from? Look at Yosef at Sadiq, right? Or Palachi was saying on Saturday night. Yosef, he told his dream to his father and his father supported him. He told his dreams to his brothers and they thought they were, he was trying to overrule them and threw him in a pit. You know, so obviously you could tell certain dreams of yours to your friends and they can throw you in a pit. And you could tell certain dreams to people that will believe in you and will believe in what you're saying and they'll support you. Ironically enough, I have a very tight circle. You know, I, I talk to my rabbis, my best friend, my family, and that's it. I don't talk to anybody. I don't get involved with people. Because I'm a person that's always moving, I'm moving fast, and some people just can't keep up with that. And also, I'm always innovating, creating ideas, and that's not the, it's not the only thing I do. This social media is probably like 5% of my day, not even 5 minutes of my day. You know, I'm always doing a lot of things, and my focus personally in my life is to learn Torah and grow. Because after all the rabbis I've met, and all the gedolei ador I sat with, I came to a conclusion like, yo, this person, this rabbi is sitting... In his room in Benebrak, he's learning Torah and he's happier than any of us combined. You know, all he has in front of him is a simple Gemara. It's like yellow, it's ripped a little bit and he's learning and he's connecting to Hashem. That's what we're here for. 
So the answer to your question can go on and on and on. It's just a makeup of who I am and why I decided to do it with my time. And I believe it's doing something good. Obviously, with all the risks involved and everything, I have to be very careful personally. That's, that's my thing to worry about. Risk of being on social media. You, you, sometimes I want to search a certain account up because I like to always see how other people are growing and etc. And uh, you click on, on the search button and you see like a million pursuits, you know, immodest pictures. It's like, hello, I didn't ask to see that. You know, just throw it in your face. And even when you're scrolling, you know, I have a very kosher feed. It's all Jewish, you know, meaningful minute, whatever. And when I scroll, I see an ad of a girl and, you know, I don't have to say. So social media is a dangerous place. And it can sometimes throw us off of what we're here for. Because social media is like, it's a very easy escape. And actually, you're opening up a very important thing that I want to say. Sometimes when a person feels something, they want to react to it. And I do it myself all the time. I'm reacting to things all day. React to what someone told you, react to how you feel, react, react to the bad weather, and we're not here to react. Being a Jew, we have, Hashem gave us the ability to procreate. Not just to procreate and to have kids, but to procreate a bad mood, to make it a good one. Go and do something good. Go help a person, go pray, go learn. There's so many good things to do in the Torah that it's like almost, it's like, it's like bitl, like what, 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 not bitl, it's a batel. Why do you want to go on, on Instagram and like waste time there? I know it's like, it can sound very like intense what I'm telling you, but when you really taste the sweetness of Judaism, you realize that everything in this world is a distraction. Everything on this world is sheker. It's not real. Uh, go look at Hollywood. Every other person is getting divorced three, four times. People don't even know, boy, I'm, I'm a girl. I don't even know like, what's going on in the world. Where, where are the, what's the, like, what's the, what's the way to go? You know, they're deciding, okay, you can't have an abortion, but when does the moment of life really start? And then, but what's going to be considered life? Like, they're constantly innovating and, and deciding things based on ideas. But as Jewish people, we don't go based on ideas because ideas change as time goes on. And that, that's why college is such a dangerous place because what they're teaching you 20 years ago in philosophy class is not what they're teaching you now. But in Judaism, it's consistent. No matter what happens, no matter how time progresses, we have to stay true to the Torah. Hashem knew how the world would be when He's created the world by Adam Rishon. He knew how it would be now. He knows what it's going to be. He, he created this Torah, which is a divine book, uh, which is, has in it the, the, the tools and the supplements to last forever. You know? And speaking about divine book, you, know, you, you think to yourself, there's so many religions in the world. How do I know I'm, I'm in the right one out of 80,000 religions? The answer is very simple. What was the first book? The Torah. Christianity and Islam are two very big religions and they're a continuation of Judaism. But there's many flaws in these religions and obviously if you're claiming my book is divine given by God, then that book has to have in it substance that shows you that this book is given by God, right? If you, if you say a book is divine but it has not human-made errors, then that's, that's a clear flaw. Our Torah doesn't have any errors. It's divine from front to back and it just shows to be more divine as time goes on. There are, yeah... a lot of time talks about, you know, our connection with Hashem, right, and how we could constantly build it, and, you know, something I actually read that it said that, you know, the big, greatest thing that we can do with Hashem and The big Hashem, what? The greatest thing that we could do with Hashem and for Hashem is our Ben Adam Nechavarov, is to, you know, treat his kids beautifully, you know, our rabbi here, you know, Robert Wallerstein, that's all, he was very big on that. Robert Austin was here? Right there. So... What do you mean right here? <laughs> Zachariah Wallerstein? I love him. So, oh, he, he used to sit here and teach? He was, yeah, wow. he was our rabbi. He was very... People used to compare me to him. It's weird. 
Very weird. No, they used to tell me, like, you, you speak like him. I was like, what? It's Harry Washington. Yeah. Something that he's very into is, you know, helping people. And, you know, when there was a need, you see me. Yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan of him. Right. So, growing up in the system that you did, you know, I, I relate to that a lot. I also grew up in the Syracuse, you know, Moroccan, the whole thing. And, you know, there's always a level you feel like you can't exactly hit. And having that in mind, what do you think, just personal opinion, what do you think we can do, you know, not to fix it, because I don't think inherently you can fix the whole system, but to kind of, you know, move back from that and, and help the people that are in there, or let's say, you know, even, you know, raising our own kids or helping helping our friends, what kind of mindset could we develop or kind of shift? Yeah. So please don't take offense to what I'm about to say, but if a person thinks that they can change anything about the world, it's, it's completely foolish. It's completely impossible. You cannot change the world. You can only change yourself. And the famous example to that is, is uh, uh, the Chafetz Chaim, if I'm not mistaken. He wanted to change the world. He set out and he failed. He tried to change the country he lived in. He set out and he failed. And the list goes on. He tries to change his state, his city, his town, his village, his neighbor, make him a Baal Tshuva. Nothing was working out. When the Chafetz Chaim changed himself, that's when the world changed. He offered, authored the book Chafetz Chaim, authored the book Shmerat Lashon. He authored, he put the work into himself so he was able to give. But if we're spending time reacting to the flaws in the world because of our emotional inconsistency, then, then that's not doing anything. Instead of looking at the world and saying, hey, look at what they're doing, it's not right, we have to follow the Torah. Torah stems from the word Hora'ah, instructions. This is a clear instruction manual how to live the best possible life. Help yourself. I'll tell you from personal experience. These same people that, that looked at me as I was some kind of alien because I'm Moroccan, they come now asking me for favors. These same, I don't want to mention, you know, the group, but you know what I'm saying. Like these same people, they come, they say, hey, can you repost this event and that event? And they're asking me for favors. So it just goes to show that if I didn't believe in myself and more than myself, if I didn't believe in what Hashem intended for me, then I wouldn't, I wouldn't get anywhere. I would just stay small in my thinking. And try to like have an argument with every Syrian guy in the street about why don't you accept me? But it's not true. They're not even thinking about it. It's just a mentality. They're very to themselves and it's okay. We have to be ourselves. Be a Moroccan Jew. Show them this is my Moroccan culture. We eat spicy fish Friday night. We make, uh, what's it called after Pesach? Uh, you make a hilula and you make the, you know, the sphinx thing. What's it called? The what? No, not the sphinx. The, the, the... No, no, no. It's the food with the, with the dough and the honey. Mufleta. It's called Mufleta. So anyways, we have, to, we have to not even show the world, show ourselves who are we. Spend less time consuming their ideas and more time inside yourself. You have everything you need to live a great life. And the community we live in is also a great one. We just have to learn how to, how to, how to, how to live in it. And it's not even the community we live in, it's the world in general. We live in an amazing world and we have to just be greater than how, we have to think greater than how we feel. And instead of reacting, because it could be, it's also just a misunderstanding, you know, and I think that with myself too, like obviously I felt that way, but I don't think the same way now. I don't think they're evil people. I just think that they very cater to themselves, which is fine. Obviously they should cater to all Jews, you know, but whatever, that's for their, that's, that's for them to figure out in the next world. Um, we have the Torah, we have our life, we have our way of living and we shouldn't feel as odd ones out. We need to focus on ourselves and our Torah. And there's, there's so much service to Hashem, Avodat Hashem, to do in our own life. 
that it's almost like a shame to spend time thinking about, like obviously you can do things in the community, participate, etc., and people will see, they'll recognize you. When you really work on yourself, people are going to get changed from that. But to like set out a whole mission to like prove them wrong, I don't think it's productive. I think we should work on ourselves, and when you work on yourself, it's hard enough already who can really work on themselves. Uh, without changing another person and their own ways and their own creatures of habit thinking, it's very hard to do. I am hearing it now. So there's a saying of like, don't help others before you, you help yourself. Like, here's a wild example. Like when you're on a plane and God forbid something's happening. You have to put down the thing first. You have to put it down on yourself first before you help somebody else out. Same thing with like life. If somebody's going through struggles or whatever, yeah, everyone has their own struggles. There's nobody who has a perfect life. But Nisilah Sisharim also gives us the tools that are necessary to not only help ourselves, but also to help others in certain situations. 100%. Um, so, if a person is in like a certain state where they can't help others, it's understandable where they should only focus on themselves. But if a person's in a position where they where they're able to help somebody and give over certain keys of knowledge or advice or whatever, um, they should do that. No. No. What I'm saying is, is that obviously, if you have a friend that doesn't keep Shabbat, try to help him keep Shabbat. But to go to a person and try to change their whole hashkafa, it's it's something that's impossible to do. Their their way of thinking is is being built. Since they were a little kid, they grew up a certain way, they saw a certain house. It's very hard to come and say, change their whole Ashkafa, which is based on like the rabbis that really instituted things and, and created this whole you know, way of thinking. Obviously, one of our biggest obligations as Jewish people is to do Kiruv, to help other Jews come closer to Hashem with what we know. That's not what I was saying. Obviously, do that 100%. Do things for other people. That's what helped me heal most of my life, doing chesed for other people. They really filled me up. But to go to someone else and say, I don't like your hashkafa, it's something difficult to do, I think. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I know that. I mean, if somebody does that, it's kind of, out here I would turn off the other person. But it's out of place also, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's also not their place. But let's say if you see somebody who's a friar yid, which is uh, someone not religious, you could take certain steps and try helping that person become religious. Like invite him over for a Shabbos meal. You know, you can't be like, okay, well, we're coming to the Shabbos meal. Like, look at certain ways. Don't come in like jeans and whatever, but you don't have to come in like a suit and everything. But you know, dress up a little appropriately. Yeah. And you know, sometimes stuff like that gives people the steps to come higher. Hundred percent. That's what I was saying about about focusing on oneself, because if you if you turn off those switches so you're going to come to the guy, like, this is what I try to do, hug him, love him, come, let's do it. You know, just, just like, by changing the inner conflict and, and flipping it to something positive, it really stretches out, and you don't even know how many people you're touching. Yeah? Okay. Yes. So the thing about how you were, like, struggling, like, connecting with the community, like, how do you um, move on from that? More specifically? Like, how are you able to, like, I think the answer to that is not being small in my thinking, thinking that this is the only community in the world. You're more than welcome to, not you, sorry, a person's more than welcome to move to Israel or to Miami or to LA or to the five towns. It's not the only thing in the world. And obviously sometimes, you know, you change your place, you change your fortune. You know, things could be better somewhere else. But... I think I chose to stay in Brooklyn and not move somewhere else. Obviously, family and etc. Like you know, but 
what really helps me personally is connecting to Hashem. And not sketch. Like, okay, I'm praying, but like, I have to. People are looking at me. No, like, like, like when I'm by myself, like really genuinely looking into myself and saying, what does God mean? Forget all the Hebrew, all the spiritual, forget everything. Like very basic, like a level that we hop. Like, you know, very like personal. Like, what is God? What does that mean to me? And then like when you connect that to everything you've been learning, you start to like see like, wow, God is everywhere. And he's doing so much for me. And I take everything he gives me and I use it against him. The body, my lips, my, my, my assets, everything I'm doing is going against God. And, and then you start to like, like, wait, but like, why am I doing that? Like basically ask yourself, what does the connection to God mean to you? And, and, and delve in it. You know, Hashem is everything for me personally. I don't, I don't need friends. I don't need people. I don't need anything. I feel that as long as I have Hashem and as long as I'm, I'm botach in, in Him, like the Pasuk says, someone that is really trusting and living with and putting confidence in Hashem, chesed will surround him. It's a promise, outright. And I find, I find that to help me the most. I laugh with Hashem, I cry with Hashem, I, I live with Hashem. And, and per, every person, that's like Aleph. You know, like you, like, there's many things that are Aleph, but a person needs to have a connection with Hashem. Must. Especially, you know, the guys, we're going we're gonna to get married. Are you guys single? Yeah. Me too. We should all get married soon. It's very important to know when, you, when a person's married to have a connection with God. You know, let's say you have a bad day at work. Instead of going in your house and dumping it on, on your wife, you, you, you stop a second, you talk to Hashem because He gave you that problem, so you give it back to Him. You know, you, you uplift it. And then, and then you feel good. Hashem gave me the problem, I give it back to Him. Hashem gave me the, any problem in your life. If you deal with it, if you deal with the source of the problem, then your relationship with your with the with the creations, the people around you, will be a lot better. And it's also I th- my rabbi was saying the other day when, when you have a bad relationship with the people around you, it's a direct reflection that you, of your create of your relationship with your creator. Everything that's happening in our life is not a coincidence. I'm not sitting in front of you right now. It's not, it's not, it's not a coincidence. Everything. Everything that moves, everything that travels, even, even the, the, end, the miles per hour of the, of, the, of the wind. Nothing is a coincidence. It's all perfectly divine. And that's even more of a reason why we have nothing to worry about. We only see life through the lenses of our eyes. Two eyes sees whatever's in front of it. For, think for a second, God sees the whole world and He's moving everything perfectly and He's been taking care of me for the past 23 years. So what reason do I not have to not think Him the rest of my life and to do what He wants me to do? Yeah? Do you have ups and downs with your relationship with Hashem? 100%. Or else I wouldn't be normal. <laughs> what would you do when it's like at a low point? Can yeah. I say something on that? Actually? Yeah, please. Okay. So I was, I was thinking about actually one of Rabbi Epstein's classes Like they like all the rabbis say, you never go to bed upset at your spouse. 
don't go to bed upset and upset. Talk it out. Like, really talk that to Hashem. I'm annoyed. I'm upset. And so at least you'll feel, feel it. You'll feel it. Like, go away. Because just communicating that with Him is such a big thing. And it's okay to acknowledge that it goes up and down. As long as you know it'll go back up. And I think, I think that's, that's just for me. But... Yeah, um, f- well, firstly, very nicely said. Um, it's, I think it's important for any person, obviously before anything, is to first of all acknowledge how you feel. How you feel is valid and no one can tell you otherwise. And that's, that's personal and relationships with people or your creator. Everything how you feel is normal and you're not a cuckoo person. Obviously, what is normal, right? Everyone's their own person. It's very hard to define normal. But... First of all, validate how you feel. I'm upset and it's okay to be upset. And I can be upset for the next six months about something. I'm allowed to be. My schuti, it's my right. No one can tell me otherwise. But going into service of God and, and being upset in, in there, I'll tell you something, which I actually just learned the other day. Very beautiful. My rabbi said. Just give him credit. Um, sometimes a person will feel like everything's going in his life. You know, it's going, it's going, it's going. Everything's good. Things are working out. Business, personal. All of a sudden, boom, you wake up one morning and it's like, what just happened? So he said, sometimes Hashem will take away the feeling, the motivation almost, to test you. Because he wants to see, okay, are you going to be with me all the time? Are you going to be with me only when it's good? Or are you going to be with me when it gets hard? So it's very important also, I think, to not focus on how a person feels, like not to put too much attention to that, but to also kind of remind yourself with your head, what am I doing? Am I serving Hashem? Yes. Do I feel it right now like crazy? Sometimes yeah, sometimes no. I have my days. Uh, all the time, you know, you go through ups and downs and you, and, and you have moments of self-doubt. It's a part of being a human. But what I could tell you from my own experience is that the questions get different. A year ago, I would have been asked more, like 12, 13, 14 months ago, I'd be asking myself, should I open a page? Now I'm asking myself, is it Kedai to, to meet Joe Rogan? You know, I have that opportunity right now. Is it Kedai to meet him? So, so, the, so as you grow, the questions become different. Obviously, who's Joe Rogan? He's a guy. But I'm saying, you know, if I, I could be stuck on that same, should I open a page till today? And I would still be there. So obviously, I overcame that and interviewed tons of people, and made tons of content, and did a lot. So we just have to keep going. If I was to give you two words of advice, and this sums up life, just keep moving. Just keep going. Just keep going. Something's not working out, keep going. Hashem says, Hashem is constantly recreating the world. When we started the shiur, however long ago, what was it? 40 minutes ago, we're in a different world now. And even when I was looking to see how long the world's being recreated, there's new opportunities being presented to us every second. And that's why I said, looking back is idol worship. Looking forward, you know, you're not a Navi. So you can only focus on now and what you have in front of you. You could have did different, you didn't. You want to do better, well, the future's not here yet. All you have in front of you is now. You have time now to do with what you know how, how to, how to get back on track or how to stay off track, whatever you want to do with your life. That's your merit to choose. What do you but, mean by looking back as like idol worship? Meaning if you, if you, were you here in the beginning? Yeah. When you, when you look back at something that, let's say, why, did, why, did, why was I in public school? I wanted to go to a yeshiva. You can't look back and feel bad about that. That's worshiping the version of you that went to the public school. You, you didn't know better. And besides, let's say you knew better. Who cares? You made a mistake. You went to a club. Okay, so what do you want to do? You want to stay in the club mentally? Your body's out of the, out of the club. 
You know, a very famous line I heard is that sometimes, well, most, 99% of the time, people are not where their feet are planted. Our heads are going a million places. We're having thousands of thoughts per second, you know. But, but we, have to, we have to focus. We have to be in the present moment. And that's really what leads a person to happiness, by focusing on what's now, what's in front of them, what they have, and appreciating it. You can only meditate on one thought per once. It's a very deep thing. You can only meditate, meditate on one thought per once at, at, at a time. So that's why we have to focus on positive things. And that can become an accumulation of who we are. If we constantly foc- try to focus and meditate on positive things, positive thoughts, whether it's positive to yourself or the people around you, or if someone's annoying, you just be positive. You know, because when Hashem sends you difficult people, it's an opportunity to show them compassion. Because when you show that difficult person that you don't want to deal with compassion, they're showing you compassion upstairs. It's a time to Eratzon, overcome the deen. Eratzon is all the time, all the time. So what were we saying? Ah, focus on the moment. Don't think about what you did, what you didn't do. Who cares? Just keep moving. Yeah. In a positive way. Right. Majority of the time, we reflect in the negative way and we beat ourselves up. No, Cheshbon nefesh is not looking back and putting yourself down. Cheshbon nefesh is looking back and saying, you know what, I'm going to do better next time. It's, it's judging yourself, the kafschut. Judging yourself with the benefit of the doubt. And when you learn how to do that with yourself, you can do that with other people. Instead of saying, why is this person using his phone on Shabbat? Whoa, what just happened? Chill. It's a person using his phone. Yeah, he's doing a big chilul. And yeah, technically, according to the Torah, you know, he, he just cut himself off from the Jewish people and, and he's going to death. But there's no bad deen today. No one's killing him. So the best thing you could do is, is to approach this person and to really have a conversation. And I've seen in my own life when I chose not to judge people and I chose to actually look at them in a very positive light, they change. People change. Especially this generation. This generation is very sensitive. This generation more than any. I mean, I never, I didn't live, I don't remember, past Google, whatever. We're very sensitive people, myself included. You know, we need love. We need nice words. We need to really follow what Hashem is telling us to do. Yeah? Can we hear a little bit about Hanukkah? Yeah. So Hanukkah is a very auspicious time. Obviously, you know, the two, the two holidays that were added is Purim and Hanukkah. Purim is when they try to kill us physically, and Hanukkah is when they try to kill us spiritually. So obviously it's a very big miracle on Hanukkah. A couple of rabbis went against the whole Greek army and they won. So I think a very important message for Hanukkah is obviously when you light the, the Hanukkah, it's a, it's a very beautiful thing. Because you see how a little light can push away a lot of darkness. And that could be a message to your own. There's a million messages for Hanukkah, but I, I, I want to share with you three. Number one, a little light could push away a lot of darkness. Meaning... It's not just the Hanukkah pushing away the darkness and, and, and showing that light. Obviously, you're, you know, you're expressing a miracle when you, when you put that Hanukkah and you're lighting it. You're showing people, look, Hashem saved us. But Hashem saved us from what? Because if you light a, if you light a menorah and then you go watch the game in the same room, you're kind of like a hypocrite. Because the game, the sports, came from the Greeks. And the Greek culture is still in society today, if not more than ever. More than ever. You know... Sports games, fancy lifestyle, clothing, cars, fat, all these things is Greek. And I'm not telling you to not enjoy the world and to not, you know, uh, uh, dip in those things. But it's not, it's not the purpose of the world. It's not the purpose of what we're here for. And we have to try to eliminate that Greek culture because it's really connecting to the physical world. And, and it's holding us down from connecting to the spiritual world. So... 
that. And also, it's a very auspicious time for miracles. It's a very, very auspicious time, probably more than ever. There was a rabbi, I forget his name, he lived about 200 years ago, and he would sit, and the only holiday of the year where he would sleep two hours a night was Hanukkah. He would light the menorah, stay there, learn the whole night. There's a very special thing happening in Shamaim when you light that menorah. Because you're showing to Hashem, Hashem, you saved me then and you'll save me now. In this generation, when, I'm, when all the, the Greek culture is coming at me left and right, Instagram is Greek. TikTok, YouTube, our whole life is just Greek culture. Feeling the need to have a $5,000 purse. I need to have it. You know, okay, fine, buy it. I'm not telling you what to do. But why do you need it? What's, what's the reason? Is, is it an addition to your life or is it your life? You know, and so to really go deep, fundamentally speaking, we have to ask ourselves again, what are we here for and what's our purpose in life? It's very different to add something as an addition to the goal, to the main goal, as opposed to making that whole thing the main goal. And you pass away and then you, you live for something that's temporary. So I, I love this concept, but I find it so hard to balance out. How do you balance, you know, always have a focus of, you know, we're living a spiritual life, let's get the materialism away, and having that at the same time with, you know, some of the, it's okay to have a car, it's okay to have, you know, this and that, and where, where's the balance between I'm constantly, I'm living for Allah Haba, and what's not, I don't want to say normal, but what's, like, to a point where we don't drive ourselves crazy about every small thing that... The balance is believing in yourself. Hashem says Kedushim to you. He wants you to be holy. How do you be holy? By fulfilling mitzvah. What does that mean, Kedoshim, to you? Every single Jew in this room has an obligation to overcome their environment. Meaning, Hashem is telling you, don't just be holy, but be holy wherever you are. In the family that you were born into. In the lifestyle that you have. The answers to all your questions are not anywhere else besides right in front of you. And even if a person may not like where they are, that's, if you technically be positive about it for a second, it's the best opportunity for you to grow. Not you, a person. It's the best opportunity for a person to grow. Davka in Brooklyn with all the difficulty, with all the crazy things going on, with the war going on in Israel, and with the cold weather, we have the opportunity to say, no, Hashem, I'm sticking to you. I'm going to focus on you. I'm going to be loyal to you. And honestly, if you do that, not you. If a person does that, who even needs the other things? You know, all this materialism is just filling a void. But that's why you constantly need more. Any person who's involved in materialism, you go to their wardrobe, there's just everything of everything. Every design, every style, every, like you, need, you need it all in order to, and, and then it's not enough. And it just becomes a chase, right? The Gemara says, what's in my name, what's in my time? If you want 100, you're going to want two. Two wants four, four wants eight, eight wants 16. That never stops. But when a person has Hashem, really has Hashem, and has Torah, and fulfills mitzvah, and genuinely does their best, am I telling you to go, to, not, to never, you know, go out to eat, or to never buy yourself something nice? No, we're still people at the end of the day. We're not, we're not malachim. We really are for being in this generation. But at the end of the day, we're people. But what, what, what's, the, what's the goal? What, what's the goal of my life? Is it, is it to escape the moment? Or is it to grow in the moment? When I was in yeshiva, uh, one of the yeshiva, I, I heard a speech from Rav Gav, and he said, every decision you make in life is either going towards gain or escaping pain. That was the most true sentence I ever heard in my life. I'm going to say it again. Every decision a person makes is going towards gain or escaping pain. Can I go up? Explain what that means. Yeah. So right now, I have a decision to make, right? Let's say it's late at night and I'm, and I'm hungry. I can go escape the pain by opening the fridge and eating everything that's there. Or I can go towards the beginning and say, you know what? I have to wake up for Shachri. I have to say Kriyat Shema right now. 
And my, what, I, what I really want out of life is greater than how I'm feeling at the moment. It's actually a very critical, uh, crucial way how to build self-esteem. How does a person build self-esteem? By instead of choosing the, the instant gratification, you look, you look towards the long-term growth. Because escaping kills self-esteem. Because it makes you feel not good about yourself. And it makes you feel down and small. But how do you build self-esteem? By, by constantly reminding yourself, what's in front of me is not what I want. What I want is, can we all agree that we all want to get married and we all want to have children and we all want to raise them the right way and we, and we want to be better than, than what our environment is telling us to do. We want to be good parents. We want to be role models. We want to fulfill Torah and mitzvah. We all want that deep down. And that's why if you come to my room, obviously don't come to my room, but you know, mm-hmm. if you ask my sister, right? She's always in my room. You ask her, what's on my wall? All over my wall, there's things written down. It looks like a, like a crazy person in the cell. All over you see goals, short term, the next week, the next month. I have goals of what I want to do when I'm 40. Because I'm always thinking about the future. Meaning not the future, but I'm thinking about where I want to be. And I ask myself, okay, so what am I doing now that's going to align to that? You know, a person gets stuck in the day-to-day routine and the, what are you living for? Okay, 70 years. I, I know a guy, a Jewish guy, he's not religious. I play basketball with him a lot. But he's working the same job since he was 20. And he's not religious and I'm trying to like push him to put feeling. But I see flat out, this person did nothing with his life. He works in the, 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 the dollar store. His whole life, you know, and whenever I ask him about how he feels, he's always talking to me about the day-to-day things. Oh, well, you know, the Rangers lost, and the Knicks suck again, and the governor's horrible, and the, and the war in Israel. He's always, his head is in the day-to-day. But when he passes away, that's it. Kapish, his life is done. But Jews are not thinking about this world. We're thinking about the next world. Because this world is fake. It's, a, it's almost like an imagination. The next world is what we're in it for. The pleasure of the next world. To really be close to Hashem. I know it's a hard thing to grasp, but I would be a liar if I didn't tell you the truth. So, I remember learning one time, if a person was to take all the pleasures of this world on one scale, and to take a, a split second of Ulam the next world, Ulam goes over it. And it's not just pleasures in your life, it's all the pleasures from the beginning of time until now. The pleasure of LeBron winning the finals. And the pleasure of, you know, Israel becoming a country for all the people that were there fighting in Tel Aviv. All the pleasures you can imagine, the Byzantine Empire, I don't know. Like, all that pleasure on one scale. The pleasure of, you know, lighting a joint. I don't know. All that pleasure on one scale. And you put one second of Olam Abba here, Olam Abba is greater. And I'll tell you a bigger chidush. You can have Olam Abba now in this world. Find me a person that is happy. Find me a person that has peace in their mind. That isn't constantly fighting with themselves. I'll tell you. Shem says, I created the evil inside of you. I created your negative thinking. Not you, sorry. I created a person's negative thinking. A negative way of looking at things. This, this thing inside of a person that just wants to destroy them. And I created a cure. The cure is the Torah. The cure is the Torah. When a person learns Torah and lives by the Torah, they are destroying the bad inside of them and connecting to the infinite good, which is Hashem. Any other questions? It's good, it means it's clear. Why did the Greeks want to disconnect us spiritually? Because the Greeks only focused on what was in front of them. And the Jews always wanted to to look at what's above them. The, The Greeks didn't believe in more than this world. That's why it bothered them when they saw Jewish people celebrating Shabbat, doing Brit Milah, because they're doing these mitzvot in order for their next world. And the, the Greeks didn't believe in that. The Greeks were all about Olam Yeah, Olam 
clubs, girls, let's do it, whatever you want. Fashion, lifestyle, sports, arenas, hundreds of thousands of people shouting for what? I don't know, a lion eating someone. That's what they were about. But that's, what not, that's not what Jewish people are about. Jewish people are about above, about Hashem, about, you know, spirituality. And that's why they tried to kill us. They wanted us to be like them. And that's, that's the whole miracle of Hanukkah. A couple, you know, like, like you would say today, a stubborn, from person. A couple of them, like very stubborn, extreme, fanatic Jewish people went and, and they won the war. Hashem helped them. You know? Yes? In, in, in Hanukkah? It was a spiritual war, even though it may sound physical. Because No, it was... It was the display was a physical war, but before the rabbis went to actually fight, the Hashem allowed Hashem basically decided he decreed that this is what's going to happen. They're going to go to war and they're going to win, and that's and that's how it played out. Anything that happens in life, by the way, is constantly being played out in Shemaim. Like right now with the war in Israel, when the IDF goes to Gaza to look for you know Hamas and the tunnels and everything, what they're doing is playing out what Hashem already decided. Meaning every bullet has a destination, every missile knows where it needs to go. And, and, and that's just, it's all playing out from what Hashem already preordained in Shamaim. And that's why, we, and that's why the, the best way to fight this war is to work on ourselves spiritually. It's not just the idea of fighting the war, it's, it's the people in the yeshivot. Because they're creating millions and trillions of mitzvot. And that's our ammunition. We need spiritual ammunition the same way we need physical ammunition. That's why the Pasuk in the Torah says, It says that a person goes out into war. What does that mean? Technically speaking, you know, when, when two, let's say Hamas meets the IDF, they meet in the middle, somewhere in the desert. But they both have to leave their camps and their, ter- and their, their places and they have to meet somewhere. But Hashem is saying, no, when you leave, you're already in the war. What does that mean? It means that Satan is in Shamaim and he's Mekatreg. He's trying to convince Hashem, oh, but look at the bad things they do. They intermarry, they marry non-Jewish people, and they're constantly disrespecting each other. He's showing him all of the bad that we do. And now Hashem has to take that and the Malachim, and however they do it in their calculations, they have to make a decision. Okay, so this is what they're doing, and there has to be casualty because there's bad. But there also could be a lot worse casualty. So Hashem takes all this information and He makes a, a decree. And exactly what's playing out is the decree. Clear? Yeah? Um, how do you prepare yourself to go against the tide? Can you be more specific? Yeah. Be honest. What's the trip? I mean, honestly, don't go. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like saying, how do I go into fire and not get burned? I don't know. I'm saying, I don't think Europe is fire. No, Europe, club is a fire, of course. Okay, so I'll tell you three things. Obviously, number one, we said the best thing to do, don't go. Don't put yourself in a bad situation. Now, assuming you're going to go, I'll give you advice. What do I know? Hashem put it in my head just now. 
If your friends are trying to make you do something that's not good for you, those are not real friends. If you set a boundary and saying, hey, whatever my name is, I don't know your name, but I want to grow, and this is where I'm at right now, I don't want to go with you. You know, I, I, you reminded me, I have a friend, he just got married a year ago. He was looking to get married for a very long time, and he's having a lot of struggles in his life. And he, and he, used, to go to, he used to go clubbing a lot and doing a lot of inappropriate things. And he told me, he's like, you know, even, even when I would go clubbing, after I decided that I want to grow and I started to go to Minyan and learn and everything, I told my friends, this is my boundary. I'll go out with you, but don't push me to drink. Don't push me to do something that I don't want to do. So like, even in that environment, obviously, I'm not telling you to go to a club and put yourself in a, in a dangerous place you know, to begin with, because obviously girls get approached like crazy. You know, a guy is one thing. It's a whole other uh, argument. But if, if your friends really respect you and they want the best for you, they're not going to push you to go to a club. That's that. And then like she was saying, you have to have courage and you have to, you have to believe in yourself. If there's, like, if there's like a main message that I could deliver to this crowd is to really believe in yourself. Like not sketch, like really, bamets. Like believe in yourself, even if it means you have to lose people, even if it means you have to lose certain parts of yourself that are not really you. It's just an addition to of what someone else is making you do which is a very deep psychological thing that I just put in there. But you have to really believe in yourself. You have to really believe in yourself. And if this is what you want to do, then stick with your decision. Uh, Hashem's not going to come down and say you're right. But He's going he's to speak to you in ways that you're going to see, you know, I made the right choice. It could be that night where you decide to stay home, you're going to get some salvation, you're going to get some text message, you're going to get some clarity on something. You're doing something good. You're definitely doing something good. I'm proud of you for that because I was in that situation myself and it was very hard for me. I lost a lot of friends. I'll tell you something from being on the other side and I'm obviously not that you're on a bad side but just someone that lost a lot of friends in his life because I decided to try to become more from but I said try. I'm not, I'm not saying I am anything. I lost a lot of people and if I look back at those people they're doing the same things. They're doing the same exact things every weekend with the same people, the same crowd and they're going nowhere. From 15 years old to 23, they're doing the same exact thing. Some of them are older than me. Some of them are dating non-Jewish girls. Some of them are dating Jewish girls, but they're breaking Shomer Nagiyah. Pick your battle. You want your battle to be, you know, being with some guy you don't want to be with or being in a place you don't want to be and trying to like just not look. Or you want your battle to be, you know, spiritual battles. You have to fight regardless. You have to pick what you want to do. And believe in yourself, because you could do it. You can overcome the test, and you can be better than what people are telling you to be. But, but again, if they're really your friends, they're going to respect your decision-making. They're going to respect you, and they're going to respect where you want to go, and they're not going to push you to do something you don't want to do. And if they do try to push you, it's a direct, clear indicator, indicator like, hello, these are not your friends. Your friends will support you. I, I have friends that are not religious that respect my decision-making. And I have friends that don't. That's why they're not my friends anymore. Because they were never my friends to begin with. Yes? How can a person work on themselves like, not to be complacent about their spiritual level? Because I feel like, let's say, when it comes to physical terms, I understand how a person cannot be complacent and they always want more. But how can a person be like that with spirituality? Like, even if you go listen to speeches and stuff, but how can a person come with the mindset, like, I want to keep growing, even after achieving one thing, you still want to so you're saying like, like you're saying you grow and you and you feel. Like feeling like you always want to improve, keep getting better, like that, like kind of like striving for more, never stop. Ah, very, very nice. 
So what you're saying is exactly what happens every single year on Yom Kippur. There's, there's three different categories of people, right? There's Tzaddik, there's Rasha, and there's Benoni. You guys familiar with this? There's a righteous person, a wicked person, and someone in the middle. So I heard a speech from a rabbi, and he was saying, what do you mean in the middle? Like what, someone knows how many Mizvot he has, and I've wrote 50,000, 50,000, exact, doesn't make any sense. So there's a very deep psychology that goes on in the person's mind throughout their life. And that's what, differenti- that's what differentiates people that are average from people that are great. If a person's going on a diet and, you know, let's say a guy wants to lose 50 pounds. So he lost 20 and he looks good. And it's not, it's, it's not what he set out that he wanted to do in the beginning when he felt bad. You know, because I got to lose weight, you know, my cholesterol's going up. But, you know, he lost 20 pounds. He's starting to feel good, look good, clothes are fitting better. But he didn't hit his goal yet. Comes home one day and his mom made him a, his favorite cheesecake. So there's two types of people. One kind of person is going to look at that cheesecake and say, you know what? I feel good right now. I have momentum. I'm just going to eat it. I don't care. I'll think about it later. Uh, the second kind of person is going to look at that cheesecake and he's going to say, you know what? I've been doing good. I'm not at my goal yet. I'm going to keep going despite what this is telling me in front of me. So that's basically what's Tzadik, Rasha, and Benoni. There's one kind of person that he goes to a class, let's say he wants to grow. So he goes to a couple classes, a couple minyanim, and things are flowing, and he feels good about himself. All of a sudden, he starts to get scared of his greatness. He's like, yo, if I go to another shiur, I'm going to become a rabbi. If I go to one more minyan, I'm going to become like Eliyahu Navi. Like he starts to get scared, like I'm, I'm really growing now, like I'm in it. He gets scared of his greatness, he decides to do an avera. And then the rest of his life just becomes a cycle. I go up, I go down. I go up, I go down. You know, if you take, if you take uh, 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 water and you put it in a pot and you put it on the fire, on, off, on, off, the water is never going to boil. 10 minutes on, 10 minutes off, uh, right off. On. It's never going to boil. If a person really wants to grow and connect to Hashem, they have to let the water boil. You have to just keep doing good despite what your feelings and emotions are telling you. And I'll tell you a secret. I have a friend who's a, who's a big psychologist. He's 10 years older than me. And he just got married, just had a kid, and he's a very big therapist, and he's Jewish also, so like, you know, it's, it's very interesting to hear what he says. And he told me something very interesting that I'll never forget. He said the motive for why we do things is constantly changing. Constantly. Because I told him something, I forgot what, I'm like, you know, I, I thought I was doing this for this, and I realized I'm doing it for that. And, he's, and he explained to me, being older than me, and, being, and, and having studied, he said, no, the motive, your motive for why you do things is constantly going to change. But Tachlis, did you do a mitzvah? Did you learn? Did you help someone? Yes, you did. Why you decided to do it on that day? Who knows? Next week, it'll be a different reason. In five years, it'll, someone passed away. Okay, I'm going to do it for their memory. A few years go by, you heal from that loss. But now you're just doing it because you heard a shiur. Like you're always doing things for different reasons. What? A hundred percent. But even those reasons constantly change. So... If, if, if you're doing good and you know it's good, just stick to it. Let the water boil and you'll start to see. You're going to have boiled water. You're going you're to hit your goal and you're going to become connected to Hashem and feel happy and in peace and all that stuff. You're going to get the reward. Let's say when a person goes and works out, right? So you have to make sure you keep healthy boundaries and like make sure you don't overdo things. So how do you make sure you do that within spiritual terms also so you don't get burned out? Well, to make sure that the fall is not as big as the growth. Meaning, it's like... 
okay, you're growing, but like the, the, the fall, like it's good to have cheap meals, but it's not good to go from like religious to in jeans on a club on Friday night. It doesn't, it's like two opposite worlds. Obviously, if, if a person is growing a certain amount, then the Yetzirah is growing with them and the falls are not going to be as drastic. It's just a part of growth. The fall for a person that's growing could be maybe hearing Lashon Ara. It's different types of falls, but it's a part, it's a part of life to fall. And you're going to, not you, a person will fall. But what are you going to do when you fall? Are you going to stay on the floor or get back up and keep trying? It's about what you want. It's about where your heart's at. Hashem wants your heart. And, and give it to Him. People that are straight and they give their heart to Hashem, they're the happiest people on the planet. It's a promise, all right, from Hashem. A person has to really get their heart on the same page with, I want to grow and I want to do this. And life will have its tests. Things won't be perfect. And yeah. Does that answer your question? Or? Keep going. Um, I can try to help. If, whatever. Yeah, no, it's just, uh, I'm saying there's, it's fine. No, go ahead, please. You can say you disagree. I don't, I'm not a genius. No, I feel like when it comes to like working on oneself, you just keep going and going, but like you don't know when to, like when to stop. And I, I don't know, I feel like a person can end up overdoing it all the time. Ah, so that's, that's the point. So you, you have to have a mentor. If you have a mentor, a rabbitson, a rabbi, someone you look up to, it's very important to have a person that is maybe a little bit older than you and has some knowledge. Specifically, obviously for this reason, it's a spiritual mentor. You have to have a, you have to have a rabbi or a rabbitson, someone, whatever, in your, in your life. And, and this person, could, you could tell them how you feel and they can guide you the right way. I don't think a person can do anything by himself. I have tons of mentors. You know, I'm always asking questions and learning. And whenever I face a roadblock, I tell them how I feel and they direct me because they've been there. They can help me and my mentor has a mentor, you know? One of the most beautiful things I ever saw in my life is that when I was in Bnei Brak in Israel on, my, on a trip in May, I, I had the chance to meet, to do a video with the biggest rabbi in the world, Rav Meir Mazuz. He was the Chavruta of the Chamovadia. And I saw something beautiful before I walked in. I, no, actually, when I walked in, I saw Ravi Gal Cohen sitting there. And, been, and I, was like, what, I was like, what is he doing here? And then I asked him, what are you here for? And he said, that's my, that's my rabbi. And I was like, wow. So the, the most popular rabbi in the world that's inspiring so many people, his rabbi is the biggest rabbi in the world. So it makes sense. That's why you have to choose your mentor you know, wisely. And it just, it just shows. It's like literally meforash. Sometimes in life you'll see, like, like it says, Tasseh Kharav, the rabbi, he did it. He made himself a rabbi, the best one. Look at what he's doing. You know, He's my rabbi. You know, like it's just a reflection. You pick the right mentor, you're going to get the right results. Right. Like in regards to complacency, like let's say, let's say someone, like he works on themselves, but then they, I don't know, I don't know how to say it right. I'll, I'll, I'll ask you later. You, yeah, okay. okay. Anyone else want to, yeah. How do you understand the loss of a God-fearing person? The loss of a person that feared God his whole life. You're saying someone passed away? Yeah. Wait, you're saying, how does a person get over someone that died? How does he understand why God took away a person who was young, with family, and always, always uh, kept the Torah? It's a very loaded question, but I'm going to answer you. 
Because I experienced death. And I've also heard things that made it easier for me. So I'll start with a personal answer. My, my grandfather died two months ago. He's my best friend. Until today, I sometimes call him by mistake and he goes to the voicemail. I forgot. You know, I'm calling him to talk to him and I'm like, wait, he's not here. So what I, what I understood, what I learned from that death is a very powerful message. Very powerful. And obviously you said this person was young. My grandfather was older. I, I, I got upset, you know, because I lost my grandfather. He's not going to be able to come to my wedding. He won't be able to see his great-grandchildren. And he also, he didn't have boys. So I was like his son. So it was very intimate. You know, I had one summer where I worked with him and we had a very intimate relationship with each other. And it was hard for me. But how did I lose my grandfather? I, when I was in Israel, a few, like a, to whatever, when he died, I was there when he died. And why did I go to Israel? Because my friend's father sponsored 2,500 pairs of tefillin to orphans. So I was by this event, specifically this event, this moment, showing me how it's like divine. And who was by the event? Rabbi Yosef Mizrahi happened to be there. Rabbi Yitzchak Yosef, Rabbi Chaim Lau, the Baba Sali's daughter, Isha Ribo. All my favorite people in the world were in the same room as me. And what happened? I get a text from my mom. 11.52, um, I say in the morning, AM. I'll never forget. Your grandfather just died. And it broke me completely. I went outside, started crying. And then, and then the kid who brought me, me, me and my friend Oren were there. And this kid who brought me, his name is David. David Levy, shout out. <laughs> so, so he came up to me. He's like, Jonathan, this is exactly your test. Hashem knows that something great is about to happen. You're about to go you know, do these videos. And, and he's trying to hold you back. So Arn was like, chill, bro. He just lost his grandfather. And he already like <laughs> jumping. But, but I was like, you know, in that moment, they gave me some courage. I was like, you know, he's right. Like, I have to pick myself up and I got to keep going. So I go back into the room and, I, and, I, and someone introduces me to the Baba Sally's um, daughter. Yeah. And she's very old. It's crazy. Baba Sally's daughter. It's like, whoa. Someone introduced me to her. And I told her, you know, I, lost, I just lost my grandfather. She's like, what, your father? I said, no, my grandfather. And right away, she was the sweetest person in the world. And just throughout the day, I was getting all this like reassurance. But I'll tell you the biggest reassurance. But before that, I want to tell you a joke to lie in the mood. I'm Moroccan, she's Moroccan. And I told the, the metapela, the lady that takes care of her, you want to see her laugh like crazy? She said, yeah, try. And I said, okay, watch this. I, I, I go to her and I tell her, you know your father, the Baba Sali, for those of you who don't know, he would take the Arak and he would, he would have infinite Arak. So I pull out my wallet. Uh, what? what is Arak? Arak is an alcoholic beverage that Moroccans drink to forget about their problems and to forget about the fact <laughs> and to forget, forget about the fact that Bitcoin is down. So, uh, so her, her father, the Baba Sali, he would he would, he would have an Arak that was covered because you know you can't There's no blessing in something that's exposed; it has to be covered. That's like modesty 101. And he would cover the bottle of Arak and he would constantly pour it out to people. It would be like infinite. Like he would pour a thousand cups. It would just keep coming out. So I pulled out my wallet and I said, you know how your father had Arak? Can you make my wallet infinite so dollars keep coming out? And she started rolling and it was the best thing ever. Anyways, to get back to the more serious topic. So the whole day I was just filled with reassurance, nonstop, all day, reassurance, reassurance from all these great people. I even told Isha Riba, I was like, you know, my grandfather just died. He's like, what? And he gave me a hug and everything. Like it, we have a good relationship and like he's like a, like a mentor. Manny, what's, what's the big reassurance here? Not only did I get reassurance when he passed away, and obviously I don't think everyone gets this sort of a reassurance in general, but I think if people really start to open up their eyes to their surroundings, they're going to see Hashem loves them and Hashem is trying to reassure you. 
For me, it has to be more obvious because I'm stubborn and I know that and, I, and Hashem knows that. So he, he makes things happen to me like on the spot. And I've seen that throughout my life because that's just how I'm built. Some people are stronger than I am. They can get their reassurance six months for that same thing that, and they'll know this is what it's for. I need it on the spot. That's how I am. I need it right away. You know, Moroccan, no jokes. So the next day, my grandfather, he bought himself a plot in Beersheba. And not even, not even my mom was able to go to the funeral. Nobody was able to go. Me and my friend Orin, we drove down to Beersheba and I was able to go to his funeral and everybody there was like, like, what is, like, Yoni, America, Upo, he's from, he's here. I'm like, how'd you get here? I said, I was already here, you know, and I was able to go there and I was able to say a, a Dvar Torah in front of his body, carry him to his grave, put him in the grave. And there was this uh, Ethiopian guy. He's like, he's like, shovel one time and go away. I said, I'm going to shovel everything and you go away. I'm burying my grandfather. You know, I, I felt the biggest like hug from Hashem. Even though I lost a best friend, I was able to bury him and to say Advar Torah by his, by his funeral. And the story doesn't stop there. It opened in my head an idea that I have to do things for his neshama. So I got, I got, I got hired to do an event in, in Queens called Hineni. And I decided to sponsor 100 Marot, 100 Tzitzit and 50 um, Living in Muna books to the crowd, the, young, the, the teenagers there. My grandfather, if he didn't pass away, I would have never done this. Hashem in his infinite mercy and kindness, he sends me, I was, I was aiming for 3,500, he sent me seven or even $8,000. I raised double what I was trying to raise. And through that, I made connections that I have till today, which is giving me Parnasa opportunities. But what's the crazy part? Not only did I raise double the amount of money for the Sfarim, my mom at the event starts crying. She tells me, come look at this box. The box said 313 Regina Avenue. My grandfather's name was Daniel Mordechai Ben Regina. What's the chances of that happening? If that's not enough for you, I can keep going. But I'm going to tell you something about losing a person who's young and didn't start his life yet. Rabbi Eli Mansour said over a very famous story. I don't know if you heard it, but if you did, you're going to hear it again. And if it doesn't help, then I'm sorry I tried. He said a story that when he was in yeshiva, he had a roommate. Very nice guy, very tamim, very sweet boy. And this guy just got married. And the Rabbi, Rabbi Mansour came and he spoke at the the Shavah Brachot and everything, and everything was going smooth. So this, this newlywed Bachar and his wife, they decided to go on a trip to Arizona. Like for a honeymoon, and they were planning to do other things along the way, you know, like go around a little bit when they just got married. Baruch Hashem. Very, two very pure souls. In Arizona, they went on a helicopter tour in the Grand Canyon. The helicopter crashed and everybody on board died. So now Rabbi Mansur, he gets the phone call and they want him to see by the Levaya the very next day. Because as you know, we bury bodies right away. We don't wait because it's getting attacked, whatever, Kabbalah. Um, so Rabbi Mansur comes, he, he gets the phone call and, and that morning he said he's driving to the Levaya and he said for the first time in his life, he like got angry at Hashem. Like Kaas, he got angry. And he said, Hashem, it doesn't make any sense. How could it be that this guy and his wife died. The nicest, like imagine the nicest person you know. You know, like, like for, for the girls too, imagine the nicest person, like the person that everyone likes and whenever you ask them for a favor, they're like, yeah, they're just the sweetest, nicest person you know. Now imagine two of them, and imagine they get married, and imagine they die. It's horrible. Where, where is Hashem over here? So he said in the car ride, he was saying this. At the Levaya, there were about three, 400 people. Now, during the Levaya, they started to see papers in the air. You know the story? No. Oh, they start, you're smiling. They started to see papers in the air, and 
those three, four hundred people, they worked in the World Trade Center. The date is September 11, 2001. The planes, they started to see papers in the air and they turned on the radio. Planes just intercepted the Twin Towers. All those people sitting in that funeral would have been dead if, they, if, if these two people didn't die. So, Ichap, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. What? Yes, you could save people. Yeah, many people got saved. But specifically, like imagine you're sitting there and you know you have to be in work right now, but you're not in work because you're in the funeral of one of your friends. You know, so the answer to your question is that Hashem Natan, Hashem Lakach, Yehishem Hashem Mevorach. Hashem gave, Hashem took. Blessed be Hashem's name forever. We don't know why God does things. Sometimes it's going to be super obvious and you're going to have this terror attack that's going to be remembered forever and, and you're going to see, wow, this is why he passed away. But sometimes you're not going to know. And I'll share with you a mindset that I learned to attain. It's not that I lost my grandfather. It's that I had, to, it's that I had him to begin with. I had 23 years to be able to have a grandfather, to be able to have a person that I shared so many memories with, a person that changed my life in so many ways. He wasn't a religious person. And the shiur should be learning shmatim. But he taught me midot. Because even though he wasn't the most firm person, he had the most, he was so patient and he was always positive. He was always happy. And he taught me that. He taught me those midot. He taught me how to be, how to deal with people. He taught me so many things. And I'm, I'm so happy that I had to have him to begin with. How many people don't have grandparents? How many people don't have parents? How many people are alone? You know, you, you can count till tomorrow. So it's not looking at, oh, what, what did Hashem take from me? It's not looking at what He gave me to begin with. And I think that's a really positive attitude and to just flip it to positive. Because that's the reality of the situation. This person came to this world and there was a deadline when they had to go. And that's the same thing for everybody. Sometimes they're really great people. Sometimes, you know, they just live to an old life and pass away. But, the, but to deny reality is foolish. Because reality is an expression of Hashem's will. You can look at the Holocaust and say it happened for a good reason, it happened for a bad... Who knows why it happened? But did it happen? Yes. Is reality an expression of Hashem's will? Yes. So is this the best possible thing that can happen? It's hard to swallow it, but yes. I miss my grandfather. I cry sometimes. You're not a, mis- a person's not a miskan to cry. You're allowed to cry and process those emotions. But you have to know that this is the best thing that could be happening because it happened. Does that answer your question? Anyone else? No? Absolutely. Yes. Go ahead, yeah. I'm doing uh, good. You know, uh, you're in Shadokhan, right? What? You're in yes. Okay, so, you know, you're good looking, you're tall, you're famous. Uh, so. <laughs> it's every reason to not want to marry me. <laughs> you should know. <laughs> so, but why do you think you're not married yet? Like, why didn't you meet your shidduch yet? Because of my actions. What do you mean? The Gemara says, The matchmaker is Hashem. The matchmakers we see in front of us are messengers. So obviously something's wrong with me. Because how does that connect to... One second. How does that connect... How does that connect to... Hashem has a specific time for you. It says that nothing's going to come without Tfilah, right? Yeah. Someone will never find their zivug if they don't at least pray one time. That there's a specific set time that Hashem has that if someone's going to get married in 2027 on April 9th, nothing is going to change the fact that they're going to get married at that time. So 
you could pray every single day until then, and you could pray once a month until then, but it's not going to change the date as far as I'm concerned. Like, why, do you, why would you say that your actions change it? Because I'm honest with myself, and I know that I could be doing better. For sure, we can all be doing better, but at the same time, I don't think we'll ever get to a point where no, we're but so a, perfect. He, he asked me why I'm not married. It's a very personal, so I answered my actions. Because technically speaking, what you're saying is true, but it could be the right zivug at that day. I can go now and decide to marry, you know, Christine from, I don't know, Idaho, and I'll get married tomorrow. I, I can even go and marry someone who's not from. But the kind of girl that I believe that I want, I don't believe that I deserve her yet. And that, Yeah, yeah, but I can't sit around and expect it to just happen. This is my personal belief. You ask me why I'm not married. Everyone's different. Huh? If a person truly believes like that, it could actually happen. The more we have No, I have bitachon, but I'm also real with myself. I know that I could be more sharper with minyanim. I know that I, when, I, when I learn, I could be more into it. What? Wait, one person, what? Yeah, what? Is it a different question? I guess so. Just to finish off, I know that there's a, there's, I know there's a date where I'm going to get married 100%, and obviously everyone in this room, but he's, he told me why I'm not married, me. I'm not answering for the room. I'm answering personally, because that was a personal question. You, you, you can believe that you have bitachon, you're going to get married, and, and it'll happen. It's, a, it's great. For, for you, because you have a different head, you have a different neshama telling you different things. My neshama is telling me that, Jonathan, you have to work on yourself more. Emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally, everything. Because I know the kind of husband I want to be, and I know that I'm not that person today. No, I feel ready if you dump me in the situation, I'm going to be able to handle it. But do I feel like I'm really at my peak yet? I will never say no to dating. If Hashem sending me a date... And by the way, I asked this question to Rosh Kolel. He told me, if Hashem's sending you something, go on a date. That's Hashem doing His will. Because a person already, I already did my Ishtadlu to go to matchmakers and tell them I'm looking to date. But if I feel this way, but Hashem sends me something, it could be Him saying, Habibi, you think you're not ready, but you are. You know? So don't ever say no to something that comes. And this is the same advice I'll tell to, to, to people that are 18, 19, saying, should I date, should I not? 100%. Put, your, put yourself out there. Date. Doesn't matter how old you are, anything. I never said I won't date. I will date. But I would say that to anyone date. Go out, go on dates. Do it in a respectful way. It's good to date. You learn things about yourself. You learn things about people. You learn things about connecting with people. Every date is an experience, it's a lesson. It's very good to do it. But why do I believe I'm not married yet? Because of my own introspection, my own things. Uh, what would you say? Yeah, it's all up to the person. You know, some people are not religious and, and they want to they wanna marry someone on their level, and which is a completely okay. No one's telling anyone what to do and, and, and what level to hit and, and this. It's more so just looking at a person's self in the mirror and saying, you know, based on my life and how I feel and everything, what kind of person do I want to, like what kind of husband or what kind of wife do I want to be? And, and do I feel like I'm at least more or less that kind of person? And can I be that person? I think that's a very good way to like calculate it. Asking yourself, am I the person I want to be yet? 
Some people, it's different who they want to be. You know, it's very broad and very dynamic. And obviously, you know, the, the fanatic inside of me is telling, is, is telling me everyone should really grow and, and hit a level. Or if it's a, if it's a guy, he's Shomer Abrit, he's, Shomer, he's guarding his eyes, he's not speaking Lashon he's going to Minyanim. You know, he's learning, he's doing these things because that's really going to make him, give him a better marriage experience and a better soulmate. But and obviously for girls, they have their own things. But everyone should really strive to be the best. But obviously, like on a very practical level, be the best you, you know? Like instead of looking for the soulmate, become the soulmate. And don't, and don't attract it because that's nonsense. Anyone, anyone who ever tells you to attract something is, doesn't know anything about Judaism. Having a neshama, you're automatically attracting because Hashem obviously is a part of you. You're a piece of Hashem. You're automatically attracting. You have to allow Hashem to give. How do you allow Hashem to... Because Hashem wants us to all be married, even myself included. But I have a crazy etzara like everyone else does, and it's fighting us. So how do I allow Hashem to give me or give a person what they, what they want or to, give him, or to give them what really He wants to give them by overcoming themselves? And how do you overcome yourself? It's back to the basics, learning Torah, growing, you know, doing healthy things and, and living a healthy lifestyle. These things will help a person to get to high, to very high levels, and hopefully a very high soulmate. So, like, be your dream person. It's not a dream; it's a reality, you know. But yeah, meaning it's a reality because a person can do that. You, you, you could very, like, right now, my lifestyle, what I'm doing, you know, making content. I have a nonprofit organization. It's called Hashem Loves You. If you have Master, you know, yeah, all, all these things that I'm doing. Baruch Hashem in my personal life and helping people and even business and learning. All these things that I'm doing now, I dreamed of once upon a time. I used to dream about these things. Now I'm living it. And sometimes it's like so surreal. And I ask myself, what did I do to get here? And all I did was I believed in what Hashem wanted me to do. I didn't believe in myself like in an egotistical way. You know, I believed in like what Hashem's mission for me was. And if that's my, my target, nothing's going to stop that. It's like very tunnel vision. Like, if this is what I need to do, I'm going to do that. I'm going to go to a pizza store and I'm going to motivate people. I'm going to do that. I'm going to go interview every rat. Like, whatever Hashem puts in my head as a means to do Kiruv in a very, in, in a way that's very, like, you know, um, not uplifting, like, like appealing to the modern eye. Like, it's not a rabbi sitting in a room with, like, a lot of sfarim. A lot of people have, like, religious resentment. What? It's very, like, the music and the, and the lyrics. People like it, you know, and it works. So that, that, that's what I decided to do based on what he put in my head. Yeah. Yeah. That's manifestation. No, what I, what I was saying, I didn't say law. Of, I don't know what law of attraction is, to be honest. Oh, okay. I was, I was just saying, I was just saying that people think that you have to like bring your soulmate closer by by becoming a better person, attracting the soulmate. Yeah, yeah, That's not true. It's allowing it to be given to you because Hashem is the one that gives, okay. not us, not oh, you know, like, like like a magnet. No, you already have the magnet connection with God. Yeah. Is that more clear? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, 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 yeah. I'm like very new to all of this, 
Welcome. You should have a long, a healthy, and a happy life of growth, health, wealth, and, and doing good for the world. Not aware. I don't know. I mean, I never, I never learned manifestation specifically, but off the top of my head, there's plenty of stories in the Gemara and, and, and in the in the Tanakh of, of, of people that like the Avot and etc. of that envisioned things and they did them, you know. So, so assuming based off that, it could be a true thing. Um, what I would tell you, per- I, n- I never learned that, so I don't know specifically manifestation, but what I could tell you personally is that I've envisioned things in my life, and some of them I did, and some of them I didn't do. So the way that I take it personally is that, okay, so if this worked out, Hashem wanted it to work out. Obviously, if it's aligning with His will. If I ask the rabbi, is this the right thing to do? You know, and it works out. And if it didn't work out, maybe He didn't want it to work out. And how can we trust the rabbi, you might be asking? Because the rabbi has a special divine assistance. When, when you ask him a question, he gives you an answer. Sometimes a person says, oh, well, I asked the rabbi this, and the other guy asked the rabbi this, and they got two different answers. Being a rabbi, they have a special, like, kind of like sixth sense when they're speaking to their students and how to really tell them what they need to hear. Because Hashem is almost speaking to them through their rabbi. That's why it's very important not to go rabbi shopping. If you don't like an answer, you go somewhere else. Well, your rabbi that you picked for yourself gave you this answer, and that's what you need to hear. You want to go find the heter, so you're going to be finding heters your whole life, you know. There's also certain rabbis for certain things. I don't mean, I don't mean, uh, some are, are buckies and marriage, some are buckies and divorce, some are buckies and advice, so. I'm saying if a rabbi knows you, let's say you're dating a girl that you feel like she's not so from, but you like her, let's say she's very pretty. You know, you ask your rabbi, what do I do? He says, don't go with her because this is not, besides the looks, this is not what you want. But then you go to a rabbi who barely knows you and he says, okay, do it, as long as you marry a Jewish girl. Like everyone has their own different approaches to things, so, you know? I have two Rebbeim who have the complete opposite mindset of each other, yet they know each other very well. One's a Shadfin, also a very prominent Rebbe. And then the other one is very yeshivish type of Rebbe. And they both have opposite mindsets when it comes to Shadfin. One is just like, Ah, oh, whatever, just try and go, go, go. And the other one's like more deep and like, but do you really like the person? You know what I mean? As opposed to like, oh, keep going, keep going until like you have a reason to say no or something. So both of them have like completely, completely different. You have to decide what's good for you. No, I know, I know. I'm just saying, like, in terms of that. Yeah, the more deeper people will be attracted to that rabbi, and the more easy flowing people will be attracted to this rabbi. It's, it, always, it always boils down to who are you and what do you feel is good for you, you know? The way we feel also, it's good that you're saying this, the way we feel is our neshama telling us things. So when something feels wrong, it's probably shouldn't do it. When something feels right, probably is right. And when I say feels right, I'm not saying, oh, you know, I like this guy, you know, I should be with him. No, I'm saying really feels right from the real you, from the, from the healthy voice. Feels right from something that you know is really telling you to do something good. To listen to yourself. Can I challenge something you said? Please. Okay. Yes, finally. So something, when you said, you know, manifestation, we're not going to go into what exactly that is because I don't think we know, but, you know, you said that you believe that your, your actions can kind of attract what Hashem is going to give to you. How is that different? Allow. You, you, you said that you don't believe that your actions can, can pull a person towards you, but you believe that Hashem can give it to you, right? Because Hashem wants me to be married. 
thousand percent. But why, why isn't it, you don't think it's a contradiction, why isn't it that if your actions are changed for the better, Hashem decides at whatever point yet, you're ready, then why isn't that a direct reflection of, yes, I'm bringing this person towards me because Hashem wants? I don't think it's a contradiction. I think it goes, it goes hand in hand. Because my soul and her soul come from God. So, so I'm not attracting her closer. I'm, I'm allowing Hashem to give it to me. Right. Yeah, but it's not this sort of magnetic pull. It's, it's merely Hashem is holding her off and He's going to give it to me when I'm worthy. Does that make sense? It makes sense. Do you think that... It's just the way it is. You know, we, we, have, we have kelim. You know, we have vessels for things. A vessel for panasah, a vessel for health. And Hashem is always trying to give, to put bracha into this vessel. But it's us that holds it back by, by, because Hashem, Hashem needs a trustworthy partner. You know, being that we have the ability to make free choice and to make free will, I can do whatever I want right now, technically speaking. But in order for Hashem to trust me, I have to show Him that I'm reliable with my track record. So if a person's the kind of guy to like, you know, be from for 30 days and then go to a club and it just keeps happening, and he's showing him this, you're not, you're not a trustworthy person. To each their own. It's a very extreme example just to get the idea. But, but we have to show Hashem that we're trustworthy. For example, I'll give you an example. When, Hashem's, when Hashem sends a person, poor people, are you the kind of, as a person, the kind of person to give tzedakah and to be right away? Of course, I'm going to give you tzedakah. Not only am I going to give you tzedakah, but I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to hug you and I'm going to make sure you feel good. I'm going to make sure that you don't feel like, like, a, like, a, like, a, like a beggar. Because really, you're giving me an opportunity to, to, do, to do a mitzvah. Or is a person going to say, ah, another, another one, I'll give the next one. It's a big deal. Every moment in life, it's really a big deal. It looks like a regular person sitting on, 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 on by one of these shuls, maybe looking to their cup. Maybe it's empty. Maybe they're not even really poor. You could judge them a million ways. But is Hashem sending you a person that's opening up their hand? Yes. What do I have to do? I have to give. Should I judge them? Should I not? Really, technically speaking, only on Purim you're supposed to not judge, saying is this a real poor person or not. But if you ask me on a day to day, if a person looks more or less homeless and you feel that that vibe and it's hard, give them money, you know? And, and, and that will show Hashem that you're trustworthy and not, not just the poor person on the street, different, different things coming at you. If they kind of look at the world in like God's lens, things are coming, like we have to kind of like look, inspect it and see. Everything that's happening is, is preordained by Hashem. So what do I do with all the things in front of me? How do I do it the way He wants me to do it? To make Him proud, to make myself proud and to really fuel that inner good and that inner belief in myself that I can do good. And building my self-esteem and my confidence and my ability to do good by following Hashem, what He wants me to do. Does that make sense? Yeah? Anything else? Yeah, please. You're not supposed to, like, attract your Bashar. Like, I don't know, like, there's so, like, obviously, like, it makes sense, like, how you said it, but, like, like, everyone, like, says, like, oh, maybe I, I should do better on this, or, like, maybe I should get skinny, or I don't know, or, like, maybe I should, um, like, look prettier, or maybe I should, I don't know, like, learn more. Like, like, everyone has their own things. But, like, should you, like, so you shouldn't attract, like, so, so again, it's really not an attracting thing. It's an allowing thing. Now, if a person feels that they need to, uh, you know, look skinnier or be prettier, I would tell them, why do you feel like you have to do that? Why do you want a guy to look at you for how you look? Maybe you should get a guy that should look at you for who you are as opposed to what's on the surface. Now, obviously, you know, there's, there's certain... There's certain um, 
I remember I was learning one time in the Shalom Bay classes that a, that a man or a woman, they should be in shape and they should smell good and they should take care of themselves physically. Like there are certain things that people, other, that, you, that you shouldn't expect. Well, you know, I'm a Hasidish guy and, and I, I'm going to eat my chow on Thursday night and come home and my armpits are going to smell. Like that's not going to work. You know, sometimes religious people, they really smell bad and it's really, it's, a, it's navera. It's, it's mamash a sin. It's a chilul Hashem. Hashem doesn't want people to be overweight or to smell or to have bad breath and all these things. You have to take care of yourself, right? Now, is that the sole reason? I don't know. A person to each their own. But obviously, do the basic. Let's not get too deep. Take care of yourself physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and everything's going to be okay. But the moment that you're in this like bad headspace of, of like confusion and thinking too much, less thinking, more action. This is what I got to do. I'm going to do it. That's it. It's very simple. Don't do things in order to receive. Do things to make yourself a better you. And when you do that, things are going to come naturally. I never look to have friends. But people, everyone wants to be my friend. I never look for money, but it just comes. I don't look for things, personally. Honest, 100%. So you shouldn't be looking, you just... Just, just, just work on yourself. The, the, the only priority a person should have every day is their avodat Hashem. How their midot, how they're treating people, you know, patience, anger, stubborn, all these things, different character traits the person has to work on. I would suggest or tzadikim to start. Their service to Hashem in other ways, like how, they, how are they learning? How are they praying? Are they praying with kavanah? There's so much avodat Hashem to focus on that you won't have time for other things. And part of avodat Hashem is taking care of a person's body, making sure they smell good, making sure they're in good shape, etc., etc., I'm going to say something super controversial. Actually, I'm not going to say it. No, I'm not going to say it. I'm not saying it. It's bad, yeah. Next, next question. It's too far. Next question. You could say it on a Friday night when it's more, no video. It's a mitzvah to listen to people that are close to you and help them, right? It's a mitzvah to... Listen to people that are struggling and help them. They don't have to be struggling. They could be venting. It's, it's a mitzvah to do good. Ask yourself if it's too much for you. If you can't handle it, don't do it. You come first. When I said before, like you have to help yourself before you help others. You have to know your boundaries. You I hear crazy things all day, but I can handle it. I'm very, I'm, I, know, I know I'm a very strong personality. I'm a very strong person and nothing can defeat me. That's me. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a monster. Straight up. I'm an animal. But that's, that's me. I know myself. So not everyone's built for that. Some people, they're more sensitive, they're more, you know, they can't hear these things. And it's okay, you know? You have to ask yourself a question. Uh, you know, if, if a guy wants to become a therapist, and, and every time he hears something, his heart gets broken, so maybe it's not for him. Maybe he has to get stronger. I don't know, every person to their own, but if it's really impacting you in a negative way, you know? I'm a very, I'm a very big, uh, 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 what's it called? I'm a very big believer in believing in yourself. Meaning even if it's hard now, it, it could be, better later if you just keep putting yourself in that situation and, and be really growing from it. I, I, I love that. I'm all about, you know, going above and beyond. But the, 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 the regular person's not like that. So I, I would say very basically, I know anything, you know, but if it's too hard and it's hurting you and it's holding you back from your own things, don't do it. It's not worth it. There's no means about to shoot yourself in the leg, you know? Anything else? Covering a lot, it's good. I feel like we should talk about Shomer Nagiyah for a second. You guys want to do that? Yeah? Is that a topic or no? 
Yeah, I, I, I'll say that in a very, I'm talking to myself, obviously. Um, I, I heard something about Shomer Nagiyah that I want to share. I think it's very important. So some people think like it's not such a big deal. I want to tell you why it is a big deal. Shomer Nagiyah, I'm going to compare it to a tree. Sounds crazy, right? How does a person, if a person sees a tree that's crooked, Right? Let's say a tree is growing and it's crooked. Where does the person look? The foundation. Because the foundation deep, deep down is crooked. So the tree comes out crooked. But if a tree is straight and it looks beautiful and it looks healthy, and a person can assume that the foundation is healthy, the roots are good, everything's growing good. Right? So how can a person tell if a marriage is going to be successful? Let's say two 20-year-old people our age, right? They want to get married. How do you know if it's going to be successful? Or not? We look at the foundation. Without them even getting married, I can tell you if a marriage is going to be successful or not. The second I hear that a couple is breaking Shomer Negiyah and they're Bayihu together and all that, I already can see that this marriage is going to be a very big roller coaster of up and down. Yeah. And why is it sure about that? I'm about to tell you why. I was getting there. <laughs> what? I'm telling you. When a person is single, and they feel a desire to touch someone, that desire is rooted by evil. And now, now, take a, now take a step back. Hashem is the king. The boys on the side of the room are princes, because the son of a king is a prince. And the girls are princesses. So, so we're all royalty. We're Jewish people, we're royalty. Goim, you know, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, all the money they make, and all the things they do, they'll never come to a fraction of us. You can have a guy that's loading up heroin all day and he'll be greater than, I don't know, Andrew Tate because just, because, just because he's Jewish. Facts. The, the value of a, of a Jewish neshama is incredible. Okay? Now, what happens when Hashem gives a guy a girl? He's, he's giving that guy an opportunity to get married because the purpose of, of this whole, you know, sexual feeling and tension is to procreate. That's why it was instilled in us. Once upon a time, the rabbis took out the feeling of procreation and there were no children, right? There were, once upon a time, there was a feeling, for, a, a Jewish person would see a Buddha, he'd like, I, I want to bow down. Now, if you look at a church, you don't have that feeling, right? No one ever felt that. Like, I don't want to go worship, you know, what's his name? Or go to a Buddha and bow down. It's not, like, it's like, it's weird. That's because the rabbis took it out of us because once upon a time, the desire was becoming so strong that it was ruining the generation. Then the rabbis decided to do it for the, the, the desire for intimacy and nobody was procreating. Even, even uh, roosters weren't going together, laying eggs. Nothing was working out. So, so obviously we, we have these body parts and we have these desires because Hashem wants us to do the mitzvah in Parashat Bereshit called Pruvu. He wants us to be fruitful and to multiply, to have a boy and a girl. Even deeper to really have grand boys and girls that have boys and girls. But it's a different topic for another time. By the way, my uncle in Bnei Brak, after having eight girls, he just had a boy. Wow. A few days ago. My dad said if he has a girl, he should name her Tisha B'Av. But he, but, he, but he had a boy. So it just goes to show, if you keep trying, you'll get there. Anyways, to, answer the, to, talk, to talk about Shmerat Nagiyah. So is it, is it clear now that there's a prince and the princess going on? So, so Yetzahara obviously wants to destroy things. That's what he's here for. To destroy us, to destroy our relationships. So when a person feels the desire to touch the other person and they actually go and do that, it's going to feel really good. Because the Yetzahara is motivating it. Why? Because it's not allowed. 
You, you, ever, you ever heard the statement, Mayim genuvim nimtaku, stolen waters are sweeter? You're stealing a pleasure that's not really yours. And the Babasali actually says that a person that goes on vacations with a girl or touches her or does things with her, obviously for girls, boys, and they, they do all these marriage things before marriage, they're actually stealing away uh, percentages of the pleasure they're supposed to have with their spouse. Because Hashem has a calculated amount of pleasure that we're all meant to have. And when we take it and it's not for us now, we're taking it away from the future. It's very deep what I just told you, but that's what it is. So anyways, when a person touches the other gender, they're, they're basically taking something that's not meant to be theirs now. And they're giving into the Yetzirah. And the second they get married and that sin flips to a mitzvah, the amount of tension and the heat and the, the Yetzirah is nadai. Because now it went from a sin to a mitzvah. Now you actually have to go do that. You have to go pleasure your wife and to have, you know, enjoy it, go for it. You know, you're supposed to have babies and, and multiply. But now that whole thing just went from something evil to something good. So, so that same evil inclination that was pressing you to do it because he wants you to sin and to ruin you, he just disappeared. Now it's a mitzvah. And obviously you have times of the month, we're not allowed to be with each other, which is a whole other discussion. But... But, but Shmiyat Nagiyah is destroying worlds upon worlds because we're taking something that's not ours now. The purpose of, of the other gender is to come together. It's all about seclusion and about, about one person. Uh, nowadays, I, I heard someone told me it's becoming normal to like date multiple women if you're like a high status male. Like crazy things. I don't even know if it's true or not. Like different like corrupt Western philosophies. Obviously, we're Jewish people. Baruch Hashem. Thank God. But Hashem created the world with, where He wants a man and woman to come together and to only have focus on each other. A man guards his eyes because he wants because, because he's thinking about the relationship. If I'm going to go look at women on the street and come home to my wife who's pregnant and put on some weight, I'm not going to appreciate her. But if I guard my eyes and I'm focusing on my Avodat Hashem, I'm going to come home any time of year, however she looks, and I'm going to love her, and she's going to be the most beautiful woman on the planet to me. Because it's about the loyalty. Not just the loyalty to your spouse, the loyalty to Hashem. Being loyal to Hashem because He gave you this girl, and you have to make her the happiest person on the planet. And the only way to have that focus every moment of the day is by focusing on your service to Hashem. And before you get married too, if a person has habits to do bad things all the time, it's not good. It's, 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 it's destructive, destructive behavior. Hashem wants us to be focused on each other. And that's why it's so important for girls to be modest. Because the, the, the whole intimacy is a very sacred thing. And, and it, it only can be exposed with the person that's your other half for a, for a purpose. Everything in life is for a purpose. And when we're doing things out of context, not for a purpose, just because we want to do it, it it's, not, it's, it's not big, it's small, it's, it's puny. You want to be puny, you're going to have a puny marriage. Arguments all the time, uh, fighting, divorces, cheating. Not even cheating with another person. Cheating with your eyes all day. Uh, you know, cheating. A woman goes to the, to, to the store. She puts on a whole fashion show. And then when, for her husband, when her husband comes home, she looks, you know, not so uh, taken care of. Like, uh, people need to understand what they're living for and, who, and, and, and what's their purpose in life. And when we come to this clarity more and more, it's going it's, it's to help us. How many marriages do you, not you, does anyone know where, where you see really happy marriages? Rare. What? It's rare. It's rare, but it, but it exists. Yeah. I've seen these happy marriages. My, my, my rabbis have these happy marriages. The people that I surround myself have happy marriages. 
for me right away, like the clear indicator of the, the clear indicator that this person is not a good mentor is when I go to his house, his wife gives him a face, like on the Shabbat table, you know? And then you have people, they look at each other and they're like addicted to each other, like I love you, you're my, you're my wife, and, and the kids are happy and you feel like, like, a, like a positive vibe in the home. And you could, then you come to certain houses and it's like scary, it's like a horror movie, you know? <laughs> The wife wakes up, ooh, you know, you get, you get scared, you know? No, it's, it's a reality. And if we're not gonna, if we're gonna, if we're gonna, if we're gonna neglect the Torah and neglect ourselves now, we're gonna get married, it's gonna look like that. Because, because you, got, you, already, you already stole the pleasure before. But if we're gonna work on ourselves and, and, go, and go above our nature and control ourselves, we're gonna get really good lives and really good marriages. That's what Hashem wants for us. Hashem put you in a body, put us all in a body of an animal. Not to go after your uh, temptations. If a lion wants to eat, he's going to eat. If he wants to sleep, he's going to sleep. You can't tell him anything. But if a human being wants to eat or sleep, okay, I have to eat, I have to eat kosher. I have to sleep. Am I sleeping during the day all day or am I sleeping at night? We, 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 we decide before we do. We have, we, have, we have the ability to make choice because we're intelligent creatures. But we have to use our animalistic parts of us in, in the times where they're necessary. And even by the way, when a person's intimate with his wife, it's not all about animalistic desires and taking. It's all about giving. Uh, I'll pause this for a second. A man needs to be a giver and a woman is the receiver. And that needs to be our life. We need to focus on Hashem. And if we focus on Hashem, it's all going to work out for us. Can I answer your question? Yes. Say it again, say it again. I mean, is, is there levels of kosher? Like you eat pig or you don't? It's, if you do it, it's, it's, that's what it is, you know? I understand what you're saying. You're saying... Say it again? You're saying some people, they, some people go all the way and some only hold hands. Is that what you're saying? Like, the, for example, the, the, the law of Yichud. You know what Yichud is? Like being alone with the other... That was instituted by David HaMelech. Because, like, technically, if you're a yichud in a room with a girl and you don't even touch her, you're still, you're still going to get punished for sleeping with her because you put yourself in a situation where you can mess up. And if a person holds hands, obviously, like, like why is that question even being asked? Because we know that, that that's the end, the fourth base. But how do you get there? Because things, things build up. It goes from hands to this. To, I don't even need to say, like, you know, like, things can lead. And it's dangerous. Uh, and I, I even heard this personally. I, had a, I have a mentor in Miami, and he's a pharmacist. And during COVID, he was—he told me we were speaking. He said I went to a, to a, to a very old lady, and I was giving her a vaccine, and I made sure the door was open. I was like, I was, I was like, why? You're not gonna sin with this old, you know, grand, grandma. He's like, no, you, you don't know the, the power of the Yetzahara. Even if she's old, even if this, if, the, if that door is closed, I don't know what can happen. On, you see, I was like, really? Like, I, I was fighting with him for like a half hour about this. I'm like, bro, it's a grandma. It's not going to happen. It's, it's, it's like, you know? No, but, and, and, he, and he, he, he made me realize like you cannot play with fire. If you play with fire, you're going to get burnt. If you're alone with something, you're going to get burnt. That's why they always say in dating, you know, when the day finishes, don't sit in the car for three hours. You, you know, you put the ways, you want to take her home, take her home. Yalla, kish, next time. You can't sit there now and have a whole DMC about life. No, the date's over. Done. You know, we're dating to get married and we're dating to, to really get to know the other person. All the other stuff, you know, if you're scared, am I going to like it? Am I gonna, it's, it's all things that are going to happen later. We're dating now to see, do our values... Someone once went to the Lubavitcher Rebbe and they asked him, how do I know if I'm marrying the right girl? So 
So the Rebbe said, if you have chemistry, you get along, you have fun, you feel good around her or vice versa, you feel, you feel safe, you feel good around their presence. And besides for that, you had conversations about the future and, you got, and, and your goals align, meaning you're growing, but to the same place, not different places, then get married. You're never going to know perfectly. If you have chemistry, you want to grow the same amount, by the time you reach 120, Bezrat Hashem, then that's good enough. You're going to be growing in the, right, in, in this, in the same direction. So it's very simple. It doesn't have to be comp- Nothing in life is complicated. It's all simple. It's all very simple and very tachlis. To, yeah, you. What about, um, like, senior kala? Say it again? What about, like, senior kala? Like, when... Senior kala? What yeah. is that? <laughs> You're asking me like on a Jewish level or like a what do I think level? <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, but that, but she was like... Were you talking about Rivka? Yeah. She was three. Yeah, but she was Rivka. She wasn't like a little kid. She was three. She was a full adult. But I'm saying that's not a proof to, for a girl to get married in 12th grade just to drop out and get, you know, a rich guy, you know? <laughs> I don't know if it's a good... If this girl has really from parents that are very involved in her life and she's independent and she's been married many girls that are, can probably get married in, I don't know, 10th grade. Everyone's on their own thing. But like, ask yourself, why am I getting married so quick? Maybe go to a year in seminary, go to Israel. Uh, I don't know. Everyone's different. But ask yourself, why am I getting married? Is he really rich and handsome? So I want to I wanna take it to life. You know, the, the, the Torah says that love that is dependent on something that is not that person is not real love. Because the moment that that entity ceases to exist, that love will cease to exist. For example, if a guy gets married to a girl because she's pretty and she becomes less pretty, you're not going to love her anymore because you married her for her looks. But, or if a girl marries a guy for money, and, you know, the stock market drops and he loses his money, she's not going to love him anymore because she didn't marry him, she married his pocket. So if we, love, if, we, if we marry people for who they are and nothing more of, besides who they are, despite if their wealth goes up or down, despite how their looks go, then, then they're going to they're gonna be together. My parents, it's funny because they were like overweight at the same time and skinny at the same time. But I never once saw my dad or my mom say, hey, I want to be with someone else. No, they're always together because they're very loyal to each other. And my mom and dad, they know ironclad, like we're together no matter what. My dad, when he came to this country, he was broke. He was selling energy drinks in a van that was like rented. And now, Baruch Hashem, he built a business. It took him a long time to build that business and it taught me a lot of lessons, obviously. But any period when, when I was born in Israel, so when my parents first got married and business was booming in Israel because that's where my family is, that's where the family business was, to that high period, to the low period of moving to America and starting fresh, which is funny because my dad's name is Avraham and he got to America in Parashat Lech Lecha, which is funny, a whole other story. Yeah, it's whole, everything is divine if you just look at it, you know? So besides for that, there are periods of ups and downs and my, my parents never lost, you know, loyalty to each other. Never. So I forgot what your question was. Even. <laughs> this got so deep. Yeah. Oh, it's like a maybe, like, you know, like, maybe I don't know about him, maybe I won't. But, like, 
But like with SMC, you want to know that like. How would a person get to the chuppah and be not sure? No, they get to the chuppah and they're like, hey, I'm sure. But like, that's when they're like, that's a pivoting moment. That's a clarity. No, that's when they get like, they answer from Hashem. Like, oh, okay. No, that's hijibiji. I don't believe in that. My rabbi said, if you go on three dates and you don't feel anything, then drop it. Sometimes it's a a bad day, you know, it's not the right mood. But if, if if you go on a date... One, two, three, and it's like you don't feel any kind of attraction, and you don't feel like like sexually, physically, mentally, all that spiritually. You don't feel any kind of anything moving, non like chill. You know, you don't you don't feel anything moving. Then it's not. It's probably not for you. You can't just keep trying and and, and, and hope that you know maybe when I get married and after I have a kid I'm gonna like him. What? Are you single? Are you single? Yeah. When you meet him, you'll know. Zrat <laughs> Hashem. Somebody that's not interested in something, he's not ready to get married, but he still wants to have an emotional connection. With who? With the other person. Have one with Hashem. I'm telling you that from experience. I used to feel the same way. You gotta have one with Hashem. I know it's not what you want to hear, but. Having a connection with Hashem is come obviously like why why not ready to get married? Start dating, you know? Start dating, work on yourself. Life is good. Don't put yourself in these like choking situations that are not realistic. If you want a connection with a girl and you know you more or less you know you're doing good, then start dating, man. You know? Why not? Put yourself out there, it doesn't hurt. You know, uh, getting married is compared to the splitting of the sea. But how did the how did the sea split? Because Nachshon jumped. He didn't just say, oh, Hashem split it. No, he jumped, he put, him, he put himself in, and things worked out. Yeah. If a person doesn't feel ready to start dating but something comes their way, should they push themselves to do it? Wait, again? If a person doesn't feel ready to like, start dating, but someone comes, like someone is offered to them, should they... What does that mean, feel ready? Like they're dealing with something that doesn't allow them to be ready, or they're, they're just they're like confused? Right. Uh, it's, it depends. Like, like, like let's say, let's say like... Me, if I got an offer the week my grandfather died, I'd say no. I'm, 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 I'm actually like I, I don't have the emotional availability for that right now. But let's say things are more, things are good, you know, Baruch Hashem, and you're just a little confused. Do it. Like what? A fear of the unknown, kind of. Fear is shtiyah. It doesn't exist. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Fear in Hebrew is deaga. Dalid alid dalid alid gimel hey. What? Yeah, and, and it's the first five letters of the alphabet, but no bet. So what do you do? What's the bet? Bitachon. If you have the bitachon, you kill the fear. You don't need all the other letters. You just trust Hashem and, and, go, and go into it with that attitude. I don't think a person will ever know if they're ready. But if more or less you feel okay, and, and just do it. Just jump in. It doesn't hurt to go on a date. And, and you know, worst comes to worst, you, 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 know, you spend two hours learning something new about someone. Okay, not for you. Maybe it is. Who knows? You'll never know until you do it. I'll, I'll, I'll never, me personally, I'll never know if a business will work unless I try. I'll never know this dafu gemara unless I get myself to the shiur and I pick it up and open it and I start to, to put my head into it. I'll never know until I try. That's why it's too much. It's too much of this like thinking mentality. It's like too much thinking. Just do. Just do. Just keep moving. Just do it. Just do it. 
push yourself to get ready and, and to open the door. That's all you have to do. The, the rest is going to be history. You're going to get married. That's Hashem. You might open the door to a few wrong guys, but they'll teach you some right lessons, you know? Please. Oh, it stopped? Oh, right. Oh, yeah. Uh, it sounds like taking a. Uh, uh, I think I think you should have like a little bit of traction. Like like obviously you know if a, if a person has a certain type and the guy and the guy is not your type but you like him as a person and and you know the attraction can grow, but if it's bichla like no shaykhis then you know. What, physical attraction? Yeah. So that's not good. It has to be something. I want to tell you something. You know, don't get too... You either like him or you don't. You know, there's no, there's no like, oh, this rabbi said this. No, it's like, there's no attraction. You can't, you can't convince yourself to like someone. It's very natural. What? No, that's 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 weird. You have to be honest with yourself. It's a mitzvah. Now, a person. If a person's asking themselves if they like the, if they like this person, that's not a good question to be asking. You should know. You should feel it. You should feel it. it should be natural. I never saw this feel, I never saw this thing happening. All I know is that I'm in 2023 and I gotta work with what I have. I'll, I'll tell you from my own experience, this, just, just listen to yourself. If, if you're asking yourself questions and calling people, saying, you know, well, he has this, well, you know, he goes to Minyan, but he comes late. All these small details. If you like someone, you like someone. There's no, there's no beating around the bush, you know? And obviously, if a person didn't feel that way yet, then they didn't meet that person yet. You know, there were many girls that I naturally liked, you know, looks, personality, but they, they didn't have the same goals as me. So I didn't continue, you know, so obviously you're always going to have that. But, but you, eventually a person will meet the right person. You just have to just trust Hashem throughout that process. It's very simple, I think. It shouldn't be complicated. It's, at the end of the day, you know, there's spiritual things involved, but dating is dating. You know, where people and biology, is, you know, just, just attracted or not. Uh, a person can know within a. That's why, like on dating apps, like people are like right away, left or right, because you know in a second if you like it or not. And obviously, in person, it's even more. It's like a real experience. If the vibe is off, you know, then it's off. Obviously, if the if the if, a, if there were a couple good, like you know, I had a rabbi. He had a, he had like five really good dates, and like the sixth day was off, and they were even about to break the shiduch, but then they got advice. No, keep going. It could be an off night, and now they have six kids. So, you know, sometimes you're going to have an off night. People are people. You have a crazy day. You're going to have things going on. Dating is not always perfect. But 
if, if more or less things are going good and it's up and down, then it's okay. Just, you know, keep going. All right? Anything else? Yes, no? We're good? Okay, fine. So let's finish with something. I'm going to finish with something and then we'll call it a night? Yeah. Yeah, everyone's good? Sure. You can contest me, disagree, even spit on me, no problem. Yeah. If you're dating, but you feel a little bit like scared to get married, is that a sign that you're not ready? Why are you scared? Like, let's say fear of commitment. Fear of commitment? Yeah. Because you don't like that person? No, you like them. But it's like, is it normal to feel that fear? Fear of commitment for what reason? Because you can't have anybody else. Are we Jewish people? <laughs> have anybody else? No, 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 you're saying good. You fear, of, you fear you can't have anybody else in what sense? Like in a physical sense? If you feel you're going to be stuck with someone, it's not. It's a Yeah, I know. Again, if, 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 if two people are going out and they're dating and they're enjoying time together without touching each other, like really, like, you know, like, like one of the best advices I heard is that you feel like time is flying. Like you pick them up at seven and boom, it's like one in the morning. What just happened? You know, obviously don't stay out that, mo- that late, you know, but whatever. Like, you know, you get what I'm saying? Like if you go out and all of a sudden, boom, time just flew by and you really enjoy time with that person, then meaning... What I'm trying to say is that physical touch and sex and all these things is just a tool to enhance the relationship, but it's not the priority. The priority is the other person and do you like this person? The intimacy and the, 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 you know, the, the buying flowers and all the other things, the putting thoughts into things and writing notes around the house, whatever, all these things that go into the relationship, it's in order to enhance the, 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 the relationship with the person. It's a tool to make it better, but it's not the priority. If a person more or less has a really good time around this person and feels like they want to talk to them and confide in them and they feel safe and natural with them, obviously relationships take time to build, but if, you, if you're going out and you more or less you feel like really good about this and you feel like you don't want and you feel like you don't want to look at someone else or even think about dating someone else, then obviously when you get married and, and you know now you can actually be together, it's only going to make things even better. But if a person feels like they have to look elsewhere, it's not good. That fear of that big decision should not be. If 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 you find the right person, then you probably won't have that fear. You know. If obviously you felt this way till now, then it could be it wasn't the right person. And you shouldn't, you shouldn't feel scared to be married or feel scared to be trapped with someone. That's, that's crazy. Like, you know, who thinks that? Yeah, obviously, it's not the right person. A marriage is supposed to be, like, obviously 99% hard work. It's not supposed to be some walk in the park. And I don't think Judaism believes in romance. But marriage is... Besides for the hard work there has to, and the loyalty, you have to like, like the person you're taking this journey with, this journey called life and children and kids and raising them. You have to like them, naturally like them. I think, I think chemistry is important. I think it's important to find a best friend and, and a partner and a companion. And obviously, you don't have to have everything in common also. Sometimes, you know, 
me personally, if a girl was talking to me about makeup, I would fall, I would get super disinterested, but I would make believe that I'm interested because that's, that's what she cares about and I care about her. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna make believe that I care because she cares, you know? It's like a lot of sacrifice involved. And, and by the way, this should answer all your questions in two seconds. What's love in Hebrew? Ahava. What's in the middle of the word? Ahava, have. Have means to give. Because really we're all selfish and we all care about ourselves. Just to be straight up. When a person gives pieces of themselves unconditionally, meaning you're giving your time, you're listening, you're, you're putting an effort into the, into the situation, and that's how you grow to love that person. You know, if a person thinks they love someone without getting married, I think it's complete nonsense. I think it's complete sheker. It's not real. 100%. You can only love someone when things are real. When, when you can't pay the bills, your wife is pregnant, things are hectic, and you still stay loyal. That's how I, really, I, that's how you, that's how I think a person grows how to really appreciate and love someone. Real love. Something like you never felt before. Yeah. I hear that, but I have a question about... I mean, I think... I'm not sure if this is an opinion question or something that should happen or shouldn't. Emotional connection before marriage, before engagement, how important... I'm just curious how important you very. If you feel like you're talking to someone, and even though, like we said, he doesn't like it, or he's not trying to like it, or he just doesn't get you, then you know. There's never gonna be a. There's never gonna be a perfect fit, but there has to be the there has to be the, the effort to make it fit. The girl has to. No, no, there has to be potential that this other person is willing to sacrifice and give just as much as you. you That's why, that's, why, that's why couples have to have real, genuine conversations when they go out. Yeah. Not talk about shtuyo or how was your day. Or, no, obviously. You know, don't be rude. Right, yeah. yeah. You, have to, you have to get into like tachlis. Like real, try to connect. You know? Right. So how, don't, how, actually, no, don't try to connect. It'll happen on its own. That's, that's even better. That's what I'm saying. When you said romance has no place in Judaism, I think romance is something that happens. I don't think if it's something you have to try for already, that, that makes something If else. it's happening before it's marriage, it's tricky. Happen. Better not to oh, have that. Before marriage, yeah. Again, romance is a tool to make the relationship better, but the whole idea that it has to be romance and it has to be this like, whoa, you know, butterflies in my stomach, that's not realistic. If, if I ask my rabbi, Rabbi, do you have butterflies in your stomach when your wife is cooking for Shabbat and she's yelling at the kids? He's going to say, no, but I'm going to help her, you know? Yeah. You had something? I don't think love is going to come before marriage. What? I don't think love is going to come before marriage. Right, that's what I'm dating is not real. It's, it's not real. You, you, you think about it for a second. You're basically coming, you're dressing up the best you can. She's dressing up the best she can. And you're going to, to eat in, in like a restaurant that you wouldn't even go on if, if you weren't with her. It's like this whole like very beautiful. And obviously, you know, the reason why we do it is not because it's fake. Obviously, it's fake. But the purpose is to respect the other person, to, to present your best self and that they can present their best self. But obviously, if you're doing that 15, 20 times till you decide to get engaged and get married, it's, you're not really building love. You're, you're just trying to see if you can connect with someone. It's like you go on a business deal with someone. You know, you're going you're to connect with, with the partner before you make the, the, the transaction. But 
I'm saying like, let's say like I'm like going and I'm like, hey, is this the right decision? Am I making the wrong decision? Am I like, I'm very indecisive. So like, it's like the perfect person to like get the answer for. But um, like, then how do you know? Like, how do you know? Oh, it is the right person because like, obviously if you like love them, you say like 100 percent, I'll marry them in a second. But like, what if? What is it like if Be 80% sure. You'll never be 100%. Be 80% sure. You'll never be 100%. Like this is a green light. Go. No. 80% sure, more or less. I think doubts is a good thing. It's good to have doubts. Because if you have doubts, obviously you can see a future with this person. You're just not sure how it's going to work out in the end. If you didn't have doubts, then you wouldn't even be thinking about it to begin with. Obviously, if you have doubts, you see something there, right? And before every good deal is made, there's doubts, but before, right? That was an advice the official Schechter gave me, by the way, just in case you want to know. Yeah, you? Yeah, yeah I just about, do you agree or disagree that, obviously I think everyone's definition of is different, is love sacrificing loyalty to you? Is, is love sacrificing, sacrificing no, it's sacrificing parts of yourself. I'm saying, as a, I'm getting there, as a, Blatant definition. Is love a, an expression of sacrifice and loyalty? Sacrificing loyalty? Sacrifice and loyalty. Oh, I, I think the, it's, it's giving, just giving. You think it's just giving? You can label it with all these different right, so uh, ex- expressions of giving, but it's just simply giving. giving. How, is there, how is it now possible that there is, there's a massive expression of giving and dating? Massive expression. There's so much of it. You meet, you know, they always say, be vulnerable to the level of the person. That's why when you marry someone, you're excited. You're not thinking about getting trapped with them. Because it's always going up. But there, but, but there is a, an, a, a percentage of love. A, a percentage. I'm not saying it's definitely a level that you have potential of reaching. But if love is giving... It could be. It could be. Oh, okay. It could be a percentage, but I don't think it's love. Percentage is not the is not the final outcome. I'm saying I don't. I think that when I, someone sees you, I can I can lose the percentage of the weight, but I didn't lose the the final goal. I got it. But 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 obviously you, you never even when you get married you're never gonna hit love. Right, exactly. Even to, even when you're old you're always gonna be exactly. growing Just love. love no, but but, but love flat out is giving. It's giving. It's all about giving. You know, even even going on the date. I mean. In a, in a way, it's not true because dating is selfish. Marriage is about giving. Because when you're saying you're giving and dating, what are you really? You're not giving anything. Like, what are you giving? Your, your time? You're giving your time because you want you want to gain from your time. It's an investment. That's such a big part of giving. Giving what? You're not giving vulnerability. Of course you are. You're giving it to yourself. You're not giving it to them. That's why many people, you know, when they date before marriage and then things, things don't work out. But I was vulnerable with, with, him, with her or him. You weren't vulnerable with anybody. You were talking to yourself. You were just looking for a pretty face to, to nod and, and make you feel good and give you a hug. Well, that's, that can be... When, when the person chooses to be vulnerable, that's their choice to make because they're choosing to be vulnerable. You can't, you can't put that on the other person. I'm not putting it on anybody. I'm saying it's a sense of giving. I'm ready to give myself to an extent that I'm willing to open up a certain sense of myself. Yeah, that could be for myself. But I'm still willing to open up to this person and give a part of myself to them. That's giving. Okay. So it can be a sense of giving that, you know. But that giving is really for you. Because when you, when you give that part of yourself to them, it's going to make you like them more. Because they accepted it in a good way. If they accept it. That's the test. Right. I wouldn't say it's a selfish act, though. 
I would say, I, I mean, dating course, completely dating selfish. Is, yes, dating. Is I selfish. want to get married, so I'm gonna do what I have to do in order to get married. It's all selfish. I agree with that, but being vulnerable is a form of giving. Of giving yourself. I don't know. There's both ways to look at it. I, I think being I, th- I think being vulnerable is really a me thing, not a not a him thing or her thing. I think I think it's being vulnerable is a new choice. Yes. It's no, choice. no, not choice. It's a, it's a, it's for me. It's for me to see if they're gonna accept me. It's not for them. I don't to do with them. It's I'm being vulnerable with my life to see if you're gonna like my life. Yeah. Right. It's nothing to do with you. People are vulnerable together for themselves. We'll play it along. For themselves, they're vulnerable. They go far along. A, a big sense of, of connection will grow. Why? Because being vulnerable is being open to somebody else about. What, what I'm trying to explain have. to you is that this whole dating process, it's for you. But, but, but the second that that glass breaks by the chupa, it turns into, okay, now I got to give. Like, really give. Right. I don't know if you guys saw my video of the Palachi, but the thing with the cup. I'm going to say it over. He said something very nice. He said, why do we smash the cup by the chupa? Because, because it says, I leave my parents and I glue myself to my wife. So why do I break a cup by the, by the wedding night? Because I'm leaving the... When, when, when you put things into a cup, you're giving to the cup. You're receiving. So, so, so why do you smash the cup? Because you're smashing the cycle of, of receiving. And now you're starting to give. That's why we smash the cup at the chupa. And many other reasons, obviously. But yeah. You disagree with that? That dating is... No. I'll tell you why I disagree with that. Because it's going to get a person hurt. Because, because it's giving with an expectation. Yeah. That's what dating is. Every, you always have a chance to get hurt. I will never get hurt from a date never? not going right. So you could date a girl not for at all. Months, you'll be fine. I'm dating for myself. I'm dating for myself. So you could date a girl for three months and then completely be fine the next day? If I didn't touch her? 100%. You didn't emotionally invest? Emotionally invested doesn't hurt? Not really. Why would things go on for months and months? To begin with. Obviously, there's a little bit of like a letdown, like, okay, it didn't work out. But I'm going to tell myself, okay, it didn't work out. It's not for me. Next. You know why? You know why I'm saying that? Because that person didn't choose me. If that, didn't person, if that person didn't choose me, then why would I be upset about it? I don't care about you anymore. The second that you don't choose me anymore, you're dead to me. That's why I'm going to pause for a second. Yichap. Getting upset about something is because you have an expectation that it's going to work out and that expectation didn't get met. That's why I said in the beginning of this class, if, you have, if a person has a mentality of, of expecting nothing and giving everything, which is very easy to say but very hard to do, I'm going to give, I'm going to give, I'm going to give, I want nothing back in return. That's what marriage is all about. If I'm going to give so much time to a girl and, and she's not going to cook me dinner or I don't know what, whatever, be with me or anything, not listen to my day, I'm going, to get, I'm going to get let down. But if I put myself aside and think about the other person and think about maybe she had a long day, maybe she's tired, maybe she was with the kids, maybe, 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 Dan Al-Kaf aka following the Torah and living with that Torah, then why would I ever get upset? I have no expectations. And, when the, and, and I'll tell you a chidush, when, when, when the girl finally finishes her personal cycle and she's going to say, whoa, this guy is like, like a master of his emotions and he's, he really cares about me, it's only going to grow the relationship. What do you do when you, when you show to a girl that you can't keep yourself together and all you want to do is receive and you're selfish? 
She's in the, she's in the bini gal from you. She's going to be disgusted from you. And that's 99% of marriages because people are not following the Torah. People are not having a healthy relationship with themselves and their creator. They're doing whatever they want to do and they're paying the price. Every decision has a price to pay. You want to pay a good, you want to pay a good price in the good marriage or you want to pay a bad price? It's up to you. It's up to everybody in this room. We all have a price to pay. But the more that we think about ourselves less and the other person more and truly give, truly have, because we love ourselves. We have to love the other person like we love ourselves by giving pieces of ourselves to them unconditionally. Unconditionally means with no expectations at all. Zero. It's a very hard thing what I'm telling you and all of you, but I promise you, you can do it. Yes. And then you should speak that through with someone who knows you better than I do. Because, again, a lot, a lot of fear in the back of the room. Yeah. Maybe come closer to the light. You know. <laughs> no, but, no, but really, like, there's always going to be fear. But it's not... Fear shouldn't exist. It should. if it does, should person ignore it? No, don't ignore it. Listen to it. But, and, then, and, and, and then listen to the other side, which is telling you, you can do this. It's going to be okay. The, the fear isn't, isn't, the fear doesn't start anywhere else besides your head. You're having fear about something that has nothing to do with you. The success of your marriage is not dependent upon you, it's dependent upon Hashem if He wants to make it successful or not. So the fear is really a lack of an ability to control and to know for sure right now, is it going to work out? But that's just, that's just a chisaron of emunah and bitachon. If you learn emunah and bitachon and you strengthen yourself, then the fear dissipates. But the moment that we're, we're, we're more in touch with our ego, it's all what? It's all about change. Like everything is changing. Like you're not, you know, you're moving into a different house. Everything is fear, 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 fear. It's, 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 it's all normal. It's all okay. Everyone does it and they're fine. It's going to be, it's going to be okay. Don't worry. Trust Hashem. Yeah? Anything else or should we end? Done? I'll tell you one last thing. Hanukkah is in a very auspicious time for miracles. Each and every single one of you has a responsibility to ask Hashem for something the second this is over. It's at Ratzon. You just sat and we just spoke Torah for two hours and 14 minutes. Give a round of applause to yourselves. I think it was a very productive conversation. Um, Hashem shall bless all of us, including myself, to a long, a healthy, and a happy life. Meeting the right person, being ready for that person, becoming the right person. And living a life of Torah and mitzvah, when things get hard, knowing that Hashem is really the one that's orchestrating everything and to trust in His decision making because we don't know anything. And to really live a happy, a healthy, wealthy life full of success, full of our Yeshua being answered, and full of only goodness. And right now, especially on Hanukkah, it's a time for miracles. Each and every single one of you has the ability, rather a responsibility, because a responsibility is the, is the ability to respond to respond to Hanukkah right now. How do you respond to Hanukkah? We're lighting, we're lighting flames for a miracle that, the, that Hashem saved us. So light the flame inside of yourself, reignite it, and tune into this time period. You can really pray for something and you can really get it answered. If Moshe prayed one more time, he would have went into Israel. 
It could be the same thing for all of us, myself included. We should all get married this year. Amen.